Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What is up, Gypsy gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast, and it's a banger, I reckon, in my own personal humble opinion. Um, But then again, these podcasts are like my children in a way, I guess. Not the guests that come on, just the actual podcasts themselves. Once they're out into the wild, I think they're all good. Um, Otherwise, I wouldn't release them and I probably wouldn't have the guests on to start with. Uh, Today's guests are a couple of lovely ladies, uh, Jane Cordwell and Quincy Hewitt. They both won, uh, not just did they, they didn't just win. They got a perfect season in uh, last year's LFL uh, League, which is the Legends Football League in the US. Uh, They won the championship, perfect season, and then they retired, went out on top, and now run a company called Athletes for Athletes, which essentially just helps athletes transition from professional sport into life after, uh, and with more of like a focus on business and entrepreneurship, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, These guys... I sort of first found out about these guys uh, through Jesse when he came on the podcast uh, and I've been wanting to get them on ever since. So uh, we made it happen today and um, and yeah, it was a, a really good one. It was really, really cool to, to have them on. A lot of different topics, pretty different to what we normally talk about, I guess. Um, bit of the, you know, the guy and girl back and forward, the um, men are from Mars, women are from Venus or however that saying goes, um, but it was cool. So any single dudes out there, you can maybe understand the brilliant mind um, that is the female version of it. Uh, and if you've got a wife that you always piss off, maybe you should listen to them as well. This podcast is brought to you by the legends at Nobby Underwear. You can head to nobby.com and you can sign up just $20 a month and you get a new pair with an unseen epic special little design that is like a little Christmas present every single month uh, and you get that delivered to your door. That's it. That's the only thing. Like you, if you sign up to Nobby right now, if you go to Nobby.com and you sign up $20 a month and you just let that recur, you literally never have to think about underwear ever again. That's basically what this thing does. And look, you might think it's not that big a deal. It's just undies. But we're busy people. We've got busy lives and look, take one thing off your plate. I don't know. It's worth it. It's worth it to me. Anyway, uh, also a little bit of a uh, product tidbit uh, with the Cape trip that I did. I did 3000 Ks in my knobby underwear, washed them all and put them back in my undie drawer. And now I couldn't even tell you which ones I took to the Cape because a lot of times before I had my Nobby subscription, I would basically have riding undies because I knew that they'd get trashed. Um, the ass would fall out of them and I would just wear the same pair riding because I just didn't want to ruin my good underwear. Uh, I could literally could not tell you which ones I took away with me. Um, and that's sort of been the same with like all the riding that I've done, all the training that I do. They really don't lose their shape uh, and they never get clapped out. Um, so yeah, 
that's just a little bit of extra product info on top of the already great deal that is the $20 a month sign up to the Nobby Nation. Uh, also, just need to give a quick shout out to the guys at Boost Mobile. Um, it's, yeah, you guys know how big a fan I am of Boost and pretty much all of these podcasts, I'd say half of these podcasts would get uploaded um, by Mick when he's at his place and he uses uh, just his data from his phone hotspotted to his computer. So um, they literally bring you this podcast. Uh, the other half is in the office and we use Wi-Fi. But um, you know what? The option's there. Also, if you're a data-hungry dude, you like to listen to a lot of three-hour podcasts like the Gypsy Tales podcast, uh, you chew through a bit of data. And Boost have basically the best data packages in Australia. That's why I was originally drawn to them. I actually used Boost before they were a sponsor. Uh, and that was my reasoning why. So you can head to boost.com.au or you could just pick up a SIM at any servo in Australia. It's two bucks and then you can go online, get your number, do all that. Or you could take your number that you already have to Boost. You can pretty much do everything through these guys. <sighs> all right. I feel like I said that really fast. Maybe it was a Red Bull. Um, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, you can head to our Instagram page at Gypsy Tales Podcast and you can click on the link in our bio and that will take you to our product store. We have a really cool t-shirt. Uh, I say it's really cool because I designed it. Really cool t-shirt uh, up on there and we also have some fist gloves which are rad. I absolutely love them and I love sending them out to people every day to just have a little bit of the podcast with them when they ride. Uh, you know how much the old dirt bike thing means to us here at the podcast. So um, really, really pumped on those. Um, head to our YouTube channel, Gypsy Tales Podcast on there. Subscribe if you haven't already because that helps us out. And uh, if you're feeling generous, if you're feeling like, you know what, I'm going to give back to the podcast that I love so much. You can go and leave a positive review on iTunes because that also helps us out. Um, thank you very much and enjoy today's show. Is that then, better? Yeah. I feel like I'm right on it. <laughs> nah, it's good though. Trust me. It works. It works out. Okay. Um, so Quincy Hewitt and Jane Corwell on the podcast today. We're making it happen. So I've uh, got a couple couple gals in the studio for once, um, breaking up the, the monotony of... Uh, random dudes that we have on this podcast so welcome girls thank yeah, you thanks We're for excited. having us um so you guys have a pretty crazy story uh you both played in the lfl that's mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. lfl which is a laundry football league in america and uh now you guys won a national championship together yeah. and then now have sort of jumped sides and are on like the athlete management side of things so uh, there's definitely some cool stuff to talk about, I feel like, on, that, on the podcast. You guys have a very unique story. And yeah. it, it actually stemmed from the podcast with Jesse because mm-hmm. I thought I thought Jesse was the only one to win a national football championship in, in Australia. But it turns out there's a couple others. Yeah, yeah there are. <laughs> so um, how did that sort of journey begin for you guys to even get into that? Like, Because it, it blew my mind with Jesse because it's like it's hard enough for a dude to get into it from here. Mm-hmm. And then here's a couple of gals that are going over there and, and killing it. So where does that sort of start for for girls trying to get into that um, league? Well, for me, I played sport my entire life. You know, I went to Brisbane State High and that they're known for a sporting school. And I was playing touch football, volleyball and all different kinds of sports at the time. But I was getting like bored of it. You know, it was something I've always done. And then my friend appro- approached me about a tryout with American football. Um, and then I went along to it. It was just for a local league and, you know, I made the team and it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. And then we heard about a tryout for the LFL, which is the Legends Football, or the Laundry Football League, but yeah. they rebranded it. It's uh, called the Legends. 
they actually rebranded it when they brought it out to Australia because the backlash was so like I always like I feel like at the start like when you watch uh, I've watched some of your stuff through Instagram and that I feel like at the start it was way more um like objectifying in a way like it was yeah. super super gimmicky yeah. they had and like then, the chokers and you know yeah, well, it, got, it, it was start, a bit weird at yeah, the start, it, was, right? yeah. <laughs> it was the halftime show at the super mm-hmm. bowl and they they had really it was, it was models yeah. that were playing so they weren't actually athletes and they wore like suspenders and it's called the lingerie bowl yeah yeah yeah, right. yeah yeah so it had a lot of lace and frills and they had the garters and so it was very sexualized and then yeah. as the league progressed they the girls got more athletic and then they changed the uniforms it's more sporty and streamlined and then when they came out to australia they rebranded the first season that we played yeah, 2013 the be- legends it became league. the legends football well, because i actually when i was looking through your instagram when we connected i actually was wondering if it even was the lingerie football league anymore because it just looks more like active wear now mm-hmm. yeah so yeah that's interesting then that they did because at the start it was like over the top like yeah full on like <laughs> grid girls throwing a football around kind of deal yeah and we weren't taken seriously as athletes at the time you know and i'm glad that they rebranded but it's so hard to get away from it because everyone knows it as the laundry football league yeah yeah they actually even tried in our last season or actually 2017 they tried to go to pants just to see how it would work but the two games wasn't it lululemon would be all over that shit like can you imagine that but for real could you imagine the money that you could get if it was like played in more like act active wear style yeah. clothing because that's be some huge sponsors like that's got to be a yeah. one of the biggest industries right now clothing wise what the league told us was when we did go to pants that we lost what was it 70 percent viewership or something really? like, yeah so it was something built, ridiculous no <laughs> shit yeah like the fan base is very much built on men who who watch it like the football's good but they obviously like that element of it so yeah. and i think with any company if you're rebranding you have to commit to it longer than Two games. Two games. You know what I yeah. mean? Because that's a huge transition. But the potential for the sport to be on mainstream TV and to like to progress and it would have been so cool. They just had to keep pushing yeah, through. Yeah, you've got to take a step back to jump forward. You know yeah. what I mean? And they just weren't willing to push through that little hard bit where, you know, you're changing fans over and you're getting different kinds of fans. Is that my phone? Oh, dude. Hey, <laughs> that is the biggest rookie error. <laughs> I was like, I thought it was you guys. You're like, excuse me, can you change like, photo? Yeah. Come on, Come on girls. Who's yeah. doing that? No, that's me. <laughs> At least I put it, because uh, I always put it face down. So I'm like, I can't even be distracted when mm-hmm. it's on silent. But there you go. Yeah, I always put mine on do not disturb. <laughs> I've only just started that, actually. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know like as much tech is in this room i'm not that techie of, <laughs> of a person but i've just started the do not disturb it's like basically now when i walk in the door from like finishing work do not disturb i'm done with it yeah that's really cool yeah mm, that is yeah but it's um because you can still like you still get your messages and mm-hmm. stuff but yeah but you're you just, just not don't get the notifications yeah and yet. it doesn't your phone doesn't light up or anything yeah yeah which is the move (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so uh the the like rebranding sort of strategy like they just only stuck with it for a couple games huh? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's crazy because right now like post ronda rousey sport is different for women yeah i think it's taken so much more seriously than it was and it i think that because it was in such like a gnarly sport it was like fighting like Mm. this chick is going to fight Mm -hmm. and i think that that almost just carried with it every other sport because it's like almost that's kind of like the gnarliest thing a chick can do is punch another chick in the face on tv right (laughs) yeah so i I really think that all sports 
in terms of like women's sports, everything got elevated with Ronda Rousey. Mm-hmm. So it seems like, I mean, I'm not sure what year it was that they did that with the going to the pants, but it's like it would have been around that sort of era mm-hmm. of, you know, women in MMA. 2017, yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like right in that, like that's a wave of, you know, women in sport. It's like changing to be a more equal sort mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. um system and like you can see it now with surfing yeah like surfing you had equal pay at the um the freshwater classic which is the wave pool event that's really cool yeah because the women were surfing like the ex- literally the exact same wave yeah so, because like i mean you guys would probably be great people to obviously ask but like what where do you sit with that whole like kind of equality debate in sport when it comes to men and women especially managing like now managing athletes like you mm-hmm. guys are actually going to bat for men and for women mm-hmm. so like you, you guys would have to understand both sides of like the economic coin right yeah mm-hmm. no definitely um i mean we weren't paid to play so really? our league at all yeah. at all at all no yeah <laughs> everyone thinks the the laundry football league the legends football league all the athletes get paid but they don't no way yeah and I believe That's they crazy. did in the very beginning. Like I think that originally there yeah, was. Yeah, the first couple of seasons. I think he was getting paid a lot mm-hmm. of money. It was on TV and things like that. And then it just completely changed. So we never actually experienced getting paid. Really? You had the opportunity because you were playing on a national state. I mean, like yeah, international like a huge platform. platform. You could like monetize other things like, you know, with other sponsorships and deals and things like that, which we did. Like we were really active and like, if we're going to be here, we love playing. We might as well use this platform to like make it work for us. But we weren't actually paid. Yeah. So. And it was actually really hard to source out endorsements and sponsorship because they didn't want to get behind the laundry aspect and, you know, they didn't want their brand associated with that. So it was really hard for us to find a company that wanted to get behind us and support what we do um, because what we did was the most elite level of football in America. um, For females. For females, yeah. And it was really hard to make it work. People see the social media stuff and they they did pay for all of our travel, all your flights and accommodation when you're in season are paid for. Um, so I'd say it's like semi-pro, you know, like we yeah. didn't have any expenses playing and we didn't have to pay to play, but we didn't get paid. Yeah, right. Mm. So you're like the Flint Tropics. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, down the track, I think it's heading in that direction. Like I think, yeah, especially in Australia, sure, like, yeah, you know, Australia with the AFLW and the, the yeah. NRL and the, girl, the women's cricket. Man, the women, did women's you guys cricket? watch the women's state of origin this year? No. no. Oh, it was an epic game. Oh, like right. I watched the whole, whole mm-hmm. 80 minutes and it, it's like, I don't know, you sort of feel like a dick even saying that. Like, oh, I watched the whole thing. Like, it was actually good. <laughs> you know, like, things need to, I guess, need to improve in that sort of sense of, like, even how people talk about women's sport. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's, cha- you know, it's changing. Yeah. And, like, you know, to, you know, even me saying that. Like, that's not the right way to say, like, oh, I watched it all. But it's that's the reality. Yeah. And it's like you could either, at least I'm on the right side of that, particular statement you know yeah. what i mean mm-hmm. and it's like it is it will just everything will yeah change and it will get better and it is on the way to getting better yeah and you know what in saying that they a lot of people say that you know the women's sport it's not the same caliber as the men but we don't get the same support yeah. or equipment or trainers or you know like that kind of stuff to be able to excel at a higher level yeah you know we had to source out our own training our own doctors physios all that kind of stuff yeah and we had to pay for it all ourselves whereas the men they get that as a part of you know their contract and then being with a professional sports team we didn't get any of that and we had to do it all by you know all the girls on our team they had full-time jobs um they yeah so everything is shortcutted so i think if girls have that platform where you you can actually get to that level where you're 
performing at your peak. And uh, you're spending, you know, your full time doing this and not having to work another job or um, hustling source, on the yeah. outside just to like keep your head above water. But yeah. yet women still do that and they still perform at the level that they are at. Yeah. So, which I think is cool because most women in sport do it because they love it. Yeah. yeah. You know, whereas a lot of guys, it's they're chasing the dollar, yeah. which is also cool. Like I get that 100%. But you speak to most female athletes and they grind it out year yeah. after year after year because Working they actually twice love it. as hard yeah. for little reward but you go back to like the 70s in the in the nrl and dudes were brickies smoking ciggies at half time <laughs> yeah you know? like yeah. it's just a that's the way i feel like everything starts mm-hmm. but with because it's it's got to go like um you've got to go back to the very start of like so before any sport or whatever like before we even started playing like organized sport in australia or america or whatever mm-hmm. what were the interests so it's like men have these lot of interests, women have these lots of interests. And then it's like you sort of go in that in these directions. And then it's like obviously the a progression's gonna happen once people start to get together and play sports. So it's like I sort of I do understand that they're why men are ahead mm-hmm. of the curve. And I like my pro- I've got like a problem when people just think it's like straight discrimination. Mm. And there probably is an element of that in everything. But there's also, I feel like that's in, that's just everywhere, mm-hmm. no matter whether yep. it's male or female. Mm-hmm. But I think that now that like it's sort of becoming more obvious that it's like, oh, women are pretty much just like in the more contact sort of sports and the more male dominated sports. It's like, no, they're just like 20 years behind based mm-hmm. on just a guy's having a, a head mm-hmm. start. And it's like nowadays the culture's changing in my views to where it's like, when I have a daughter, she's going to be in martial arts. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I do jujitsu. When that girl's four years old, she will be on a jiu-jitsu mat learning mm-hmm. how to choke dudes out. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like her, her life will be, you know, like her perception of mm-hmm. what a girl can be mm-hmm. will be different. Completely mm-hmm. different. And, but when my sister grew up, which was, she was 25 or something, 20, uh, I should know how old my sister is. <laughs> but she, Don't say her age anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'll, I'll out her. Um, she, she did ballet mm-hmm. and we played football. Yeah, and yeah. that's only that's only what twenty years ago that that yeah. so like yeah girls did girls things and boys did exactly. boys yeah, and that yeah. was for us growing up too. I did ballet, I did jazz, you know, I did all of that stuff. Yeah, gymnastics, and then my brother played rugby and yeah basketball, all that kind of stuff. So it's not that long ago that yeah, yeah. like even in our generation, like yeah. it's like our age group, our generation, like mm-hmm. we're the first ones that are like living sort of through that like this sort of change of, yeah. of the guard mm-hmm. but like i think what to like what you guys were talking about for it's it's such a chicken and the egg thing it's mm-hmm. like someone has to step up it's like do the girls have to grind it out for another 30 years before they get the support or is someone gonna like look into the future mm-hmm. and say well eventually it's gonna be big enough to support girls having full-time trainers uh, everyone's getting paid mm-hmm. endorsement deal, like mm-hmm. it will happen and like the market is so crazy with girls mm-hmm. in terms of like girls buy shit mm-hmm. if you look at any uh any advertising any mm-hmm. um you know like uh, 
when you you know you go in like a marketing meeting or whatever it's like who are the consumers it's like 80 percent women yeah so like doesn't it <laughs> online make, shopping yeah, <laughs> i love it for sure but doesn't it make sense that then like could you imagine like the lingerie football league or the legends football league or whatever but mm-hmm. it's like sponsored by zara yeah or you know what i mean like yeah. there's yeah. so much crazy opportunity or like lululemon mm-hmm. instead of nike there's yeah. so or even nike's women's division is yeah. insane yeah so i think that it's just this sort of catch-up thing but to what you guys were saying it's like you guys can play at such a high level and there's no uh like corporate support it's like someone has to yeah it's either a chicken or the egg it's like do we just let the girls grind it out for 30 years until they it just catches up Mm -hmm. or does somebody see the value in it and then go no let's just pull the trigger and and sort of make it happen well we kind of knew that when we signed up for it that our generation and our career playing, we weren't going to get paid, but we were hoping that we would pave the way for the next generation yep. of female athletes coming through. And to be vocal yeah. about like what we go through and then like what we want and like what we think that we deserve and, and kind of be that bridge so that one day our children would have that opportunity. So like we didn't have the expectation of getting paid, but I feel like now, especially in Australia, piggybacking off the men's leagues, I think is super cool. Like mm. how they have like the Sharks have their yeah. team, all of that. I think that's a cool way for people who are already fans of that club yeah. to then get behind their female version. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the more crowds, the more people, the more hype, the more media and like all of those male athletes respecting and like intertwining with those female ones. And supporting ones. them and yeah. going it's, to their games. Then they're going to get those numbers. And then once the numbers, it's a numbers game as yeah. well. Like people want to make money and I get that. Like you're not just just like it's oh let's business. give the girls a go and like yeah. we'll just fund them it's like but no. there's opportunity there no yeah, exactly. definitely crazy and then once you have that then it starts to snowball and i think yeah the, the quality of the product gets better mm-hmm. more people come and then it just goes from there similar with the nba and the wnba you know what i mean they have the support of the nba now yeah. more of the nba guys are going to the wnba games and creating more hype and momentum around that i feel like they could do that with the nfl and like a wnfl or you know something mm. like that but it's such a good model piggybacking off of the guys teams to get the women's going well the women's afl does that right yeah yeah so i I met um maddie what's her name last name matt she plays for collingwood Mm -hmm. and um oh no the netball sorry okay yeah yeah Yeah, she's at uh, collingwood had like a netball team and it was like all run through the um through the afl team so they used all their facilities all their Mm -hmm. trainers everything Mm. like that and it's just like a You'd have to think too, as like if you're a hardcore footy fan as a dude, like having your wife into it, you know, like is yeah. it that's sort of like half the battle sometimes? Yeah, it like, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the game, and then the daughters can look at the 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 female athletes, and the mm-hmm. the, the um you know the young son can look up to the male athletes, or even crossing over, you know, yeah. to where it's like some like young boy's favorite player might be, you know, a the captain athlete. of the female. Sharks yeah. team or whatever you know yeah, yeah and we have after our games in America we there's about an hour where we have to sign autographs and meet fans and it's quite interactive and we have young girls coming through and you know one of the one of them told us oh it's so good that we get to go watch females once because I'm always going with my brothers to NFL games whereas now they have to come mm. with me to these LFL games where I can watch and support you know these women who I look up to so it, it is you know just getting them involved and having something for both you know the kids and the family and yeah no it's it's definitely and like it just will happen yeah like yeah it's inevitable it's a it's just a time thing right yeah 
And I think if you can capitalize on it now, you're going to be at the forefront of like exactly. how it moves. For sure. Like for big brands that are looking, like I think it's so smart. Like maybe it's going to cost you a little bit upfront, but then you have that loyalty with them and you have that like connection. And then when it explodes, you're kind of there with them and you're part of the journey yeah. rather than waiting till the end and then trying to jump on. Yeah. Well, first to market in anything is always yeah. sort of the ones that, I mean, I think even that's the, a part of the reason why this podcast has done well is like it's just we were one of the first people to really do like a serious Australian podcast and mm. like you can see other ones that are the same mm-hmm. that started a couple of years ago and it's like they're, everyone's doing well and it's like if you're first to market in anything you know so yeah. it, it it makes sense to sort of to jump in at that level and every like you can market it's such a crazy time for and you, uh, you guys would know as now in the management role but like just marketing in general like mm-hmm. there's so many ways that you can market something there's so many ways to um be involved with uh, you know selling products like it's it's never been better with instagram yeah, with, with, with facebook and, yeah and with internet and because the internet really levels the playing field you know there's no equality in the, on the internet you it's not like a female can make less than a male on the internet it's just all level and it's just the reach that we have now is just ridiculous mm. well you i mean i'd argue that women can make extreme amounts more <laughs> than men on instagram like i would yeah i'd say that that platform specifically mm-hmm. is like a hugely female dominated platform mm-hmm. in terms of an individual making money off that platform yeah i, I agree I yeah. think girls go after it as well. Like they they set it in their mind. Whereas yeah. guys, I think a lot of them accidentally get get into some situations, but they're not as aggressive as seeking out deals and yeah. trying to monetize it like, out there as much. Yeah. yeah. Whereas girls, like okay, I need. To, I don't know if it's because we need it more than they do. I don't know, but yeah, it's a that's a weird one. Like the economics of the whole Instagram thing, because I have thought about that a bit, and it's like even with because um, I like I, I enjoy marketing and I enjoy that type of it's, a, it's just an analytics game really mm-hmm. it's like yeah. what works why does why is this this and this happening mm-hmm. you know but like you follow like a, a chick that has you see a chick that has 20,000 followers mm-hmm. she's following all chicks with check marks like mm-hmm. if you go in to see who she's following like it's it's definitely that's a weird little environment ecosystem where it's like girls are really following girls yeah and guys are following girls like it's a it's but it is a weird platform like that right and then i think that that is what lets you make so much money because Mm -hmm. like a girl to advertise like guys are really only limited to advertising other male sort of products i think yeah like a guy's not get doesn't have the opportunity to you know like sell a lip gloss or whatever yeah but yeah. i feel like women because they've got a, an audience of like men that are looking at them for whatever reasons mm-hmm. uh, and then women also look at other women so yeah. it's like it's a pretty interesting platform that mm. you know women can definitely make like a lot yeah of money a on. lot of money a lot of money and this is something that we learned not the hard way but when we were playing in the league we used our platform uh to try and make money online and our following was predominantly males like 85 percent male mine was 92 percent <laughs> really yeah eight yeah. percent female so at the time we were just and you know we were post we were playing football in our underwear so like we were posting quite not it wasn't actually I anything bad. It was, it was just like bikini photos and things like that. Yeah. And that's how what our following really liked and we 
grew really quickly with that and then now obviously stepping away from the sport and we are building a company that helps athletes transition and we're rebranding ourselves and like being more authentic to who we are and just posting stuff that we actually like rather than like is this going to get light traction yeah um we notice it's gone like way down because obviously our followers they only followed us for that reason and the fact that we played football in our underwear so, so when we stepped away from that, we actually lost a huge amount of following and, and you know, our photos engagement. don't get as much, en- as, yeah, as much engagement because we're not posting the stuff that we used to post. It's yeah. more professional mm. now and it's more classy and it's more us. Yeah. Um, and yeah, our male followers don't like it. <laughs> it's um, but We need some females yeah, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're no. not. <laughs> not on this podcast. No, actually, we just need athletes. Yeah, we don't need the females. <laughs> what, what was the... Um, um, what was we just going on with this thing? Um, what was it like to be in that world of you know that okay, I'm gonna post this p- picture in my underwear, and then guys, 85% or 95%, it's for these guys and they're gonna like it, but I'm making money off it. Like, what, what was it like to sort of be in that? Like, because I mean, my job is to make content and post content, but I don't give a fuck what I look like. I don't care what I'm wearing half the time, as you can tell. But like, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's not like, that's not what my focus is. Mm -hmm. I don't have that pressure to Mm -hmm. think about. And I always look at girls that are posting stuff in bikinis or lingerie stuff or like, um, you know, even girls that push it super far to like, to where their posts are getting taken down for like nipples and shit like that. So it's like, I've always wondered what it's like to sort of, live in that world where it's like you're getting rewarded for something that is not like you guys said like you guys leave the sport and you're like well i'm not really going to be posting shit in my undies all the time because like that's not what i do yeah so it's like i don't know is that was it weird living in that headspace or i think that like anyone who does in that realm like good on them like anyone can do oh, whatever I'm, like, i totally I'm, yeah there's no like I, prejudice against <laughs> yeah no and i just think yeah. you know if you rock it do what you want if you're popping like I have all respect for people and whatever they choose to do. It is just something that you can't keep up if it's inauthentic. Do you know what I mean? Like I think your social media should be an expression of who you are and then it's easy. Whereas I think if you're doing it, like sometimes it's like an icky feeling. Yeah, and you see so many accounts that are so similar to other accounts and they're not real, they're not raw, they're not different. And yeah, I feel like once we moved away from the sport, I was like, I don't want to be like just any other LFL player posting all this stuff on my Instagram. I want to be me and be you know as real and authentic as possible and and it feels better if you actually connect with people like they like your content because they're like you made me feel a certain way or i resonate with that or like you know i really want to know what you're doing or i want to just be around you because you seem like a cool person rather than like nice tits yeah Yeah. (laughs) well and i honestly didn't care when i lost the amount of following that i did because i was like well at least now i can be more myself rather than whereas before i had to be the lfl player and like the you know like the sexy it was just one identity yeah and that wasn't who I was as a person. And a lot of athletes will tell you this, that they're more than just an athlete. They have other parts of themselves that they want to pursue. And I see it all the time where athletes post about, you know, rapping or writing or, you know, other parts of themselves. And the fans don't really, they're like, you should get back in the gym and, you know, <laughs> yeah. prepare for the game. It's like, well, they're more than just an athlete, you know. Yeah. And I feel like that was, we found that out when we were, you know, the same thing happened to us with our social media and the things that we were doing. And all I get are messages all the time, like, when are you coming back to play? I was like, 
like, well. Yeah, and I also <laughs> think that some people with that kind of content, they're not even really connected because I still get people that say you had such a great season. I'm like, I didn't even play. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you even know who I am? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, because they're just skimming. They're just not really invested in you. Whereas yeah. I think if you're branding yourself, I mean, that would be the advice that I have for me a few years ago is like, yeah. if you're going to try and brand yourself online, I think start off as you wish to like, and yeah. I mean, it can always change and evolve as you do. So you can change your mind at any point, but I think just like be yourself. Otherwise yeah. it's too hard. That, that whole long game thing of with content is so important that mm-hmm. I think like when you get into the type of position where like, because as much as people want to talk shit on social media, like I've said it a bunch of times, like I don't have negative effects of social media at all. Like I like looking at, well, I barely look at stuff like in terms of scrolling people I follow I want to follow mm-hmm. I have no like I don't follow anyone because I think they're a dick like there's definitely people that do that <laughs> like they follow people that they don't like so that they can judge those people or talk shit about them or yeah yeah see what they're up to like those kind of things like I don't have any yeah. of that and I also see it as like a great way to promote the things that I'm doing and I try and do positive stuff only mm-hmm. through the podcast so it's like I see all of the positives with it but it's a slow grind mm-hmm. like you know we have hundreds of thousands of people that listen to this podcast on itunes but only ten thousand people on instagram mm-hmm. and you're like fuck like you know it can get frustrating like why aren't all those people in here but it's mm-hmm. like if you are disingenuous and not true to yourself from the start because you want to get clicks it, mm. like i see so many people it's like they they're like i'm just gonna start posting memes because it's like that gets traction like if you can be on with a funny meme but it's like are you real do you really want to be like that dude yeah so it's like it's <laughs> the mean super, guy <laughs> yeah but it's super hard at the start you know when you you do see the opportunity and you do see like okay there's money to be made through this platform it's hard to then say no at the start to mm-hmm. taking that easy money or trying to just grow your following super quick or mm-hmm. advertising the shit out of what you're doing and you know with sponsored posts and stuff like yeah. it's really hard for people and then you get into a trap where yeah. like you sort of pigeonhole yourself and you're mm-hmm. like well i can't post this style of content i can't post this style of content this yeah. is a conversation we have with athletes all the time so our business is helping athletes transition into life after sports so it's not so much managing them uh they have managers and agents and obviously when they're retired they're just off on their own so yeah, right. we went through that hard transition and we just help give them options outside yep. of that and one of the things is talking to them about what they want long term and like making a plan for the long term rather than like let's a short-term fix and yeah like with branding especially like we don't want we tell them that they are their brand like they were a football player but they are also like a father yeah. and a mentor and you know there's so many facets to them and mm-hmm. instead of trying to do something and have that quick fix like let's look at what you actually want to achieve long term and work towards that instead mm. and it's so much more powerful yeah and so many athletes leave the league and one to four years after they leave they were doing something that they didn't really want to do and then four years later they're like i don't actually want to do this i want to get into something else and it's so common with athletes because they just get steered down a direction that they think they should go rather than what they want to do yeah it's so true and i think like what you were saying before about when people like oh they're gonna rap or they're gonna do whatever there's definitely a part of people that i think there's like a semi-resentment of like we can appreciate someone being really good at one thing <laughs> but, but you can't be too, you, you can't, can't be an NBA player and a rapper yeah but I think that's real like yeah. I really do think that people have like there's a certain problem that people have 
especially I think in Australia is probably a little bit worse for mm-hmm. that is that sort of tall poppy syndrome. And I mm. think it's because Australians are, are really hum- like humble people in terms of like where we all come from. Mm-hmm. Like there's yeah. very few people that have like this upper class background and it's like yeah. you know if you make it to the nrl like you're probably from a really hard working family like mm. Corey parker for example is a good mm-hmm. friend of mine and like he was logan jr and it's like logan's not an amazing you know sort mm-hmm. of socioeconomic place to grow up mm-hmm. and it's like he played for that those juniors and he played for the brisbane broncos he never left he never you know he's just that hard working sort of guy Mm -hmm. and i think that that's the story with with like most australians in sport and just most australians in general so it's like oh you want to tell me that you're going to be good at everything it's like fuck bro you know so i think that's maybe where a little bit of that stuff comes from and it is crazy because i think that people think because you play professional sport and you have all these opportunities that you don't have the same feelings as other people that you don't have the same desires or you know oh you should be grateful because you got to do that but when you're not an athlete your athlete career finishes very young very young around your 30s yeah yeah if you're lucky otherwise the average is two to three years so what you expect them to just go off and that's it for them and like they don't understand that it is really hard because athletes spend their formative years of their life playing sport and working towards a sporting goal so they don't explore other parts of themselves and then they stop being an athlete and then they're like who the hell am i like who am i outside of this and it does get to be bigger and better if you choose and like i think that people thinking that once you're an athlete that's the peak of your life like no like it is a great part but like it gets to be bigger and better if you want it to be well i love those uh like the 30 for 30s Mm -hmm. like i'm obsessed with watching like all the old play like all the old nfl dudes and like you hear some of them like literally say winning the super bowl was the greatest moment of my life like standing in that stadium i threw that uh winning touchdown in the fourth quarter with 35 seconds to go life and and like he said like i stood there and it was i can't remember who it was that said it but it was like i stood there and i knew that that was the highlight of my life and my life would never be better than this moment and it's like, that's kind of sad. Yeah, it's really, that's really sad. sad. But that's real. That's real because yeah. you literally work towards that moment. That's all you think about. Yeah. All you think about every day is like, what am I doing today to get better so that I can win that championship? Like we were in the same boat. We were walk- working towards the exact same thing. Yeah. And we had that exact same moment. The f- of confetti like, was coming down. Like and we had the entire like, yeah, like we finally did it. Like we did it in America where people said that, you know, Australians, Australians can't win a championship over there or do or well we, over there. Especially being a quarter back for yourself yeah. like and to like the the positions you guys played it's like that's so critical and like you said most australians they're going over to be like a punter or something like yeah. that you know <laughs> yeah so yeah. it was something that we worked towards and it wasn't an easy journey we loved it but after it's definitely not the best moment of, i mean it's an amazing moment but i know i'm gonna have so many more amazing i'm only 26 like i'm yeah <laughs> like <laughs> there's definitely so that was like a really big high we like really felt it and experienced it and it was like a cool thing but then we'll like looked at each other and we're like it's got to get better yeah and you know what we went through the same thing that a lot of athletes go through where you start to feel very i had a quarter life crisis yeah. <laughs> i was like what am i doing with my life you know i'm 20 but i think that every like everyone yeah at 25 or whatever sort of goes through that anyway right it's like yeah. you're just experiencing it on like a kind of a weirder stage than most yeah mm. and just because you know i went over to the states when i was 20 
um, and I played sport for those five years and then I was kind of done with it. I came back to Australia and all my friends, you know, they'd moved on and they had, they're having kids and they bought a house and they're establishing their jobs and I'm kind of like, hey guys, I'm back. What am I doing with my life? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and athletes all go through it. It's kind of depressing and you're kind of floating along and everyone's like going, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do yeah, next? And, and the bar's set so high yeah. because you're an overachiever essentially. Mm, yeah, and then you come back and everyone thinks you've got it all sorted out and you know being an athlete you kind of get put on a pedestal and people don't humanize you in a way that you can't you know if you say anything bad or you're like you know i'm a little bit lost or i'm a little bit depressed they they see they they think you're ungrateful or you know of the process and the journey that you went through but you know it was such a huge part of your life for so long and now that's gone and it's kind of like a piece of you is gone you know and yeah it was no direction after that it's like where do you point the needle next and so many people will their identity becomes that Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. a lot of people that because that's all i did in america i just worked with athletes Mm -hmm. and i would see these guys that and it's like it's so hard like i understand it because you're around these dudes and you're walking through the pits and you're walking through shopping centers and you're at dinner and these people are coming up Mm -hmm. and everyone wants a photo and everyone wants to be around you and it's just like this constant uh like positive affirmations of how amazing you are and it's all because of throwing a football Mm -hmm. or riding a dirt bike or surfing it's like whatever it is that's your thing it's like it's so hard to avoid your identity and like this separation between like that's one part of who I am not all of who I am Mm -hmm. like I'm not Quincy the football player you know I'm not Jane the quarterback it's like I'm Jane but I'm a quarterback and it's like a lot of people I think that and and the the problem i think what would help is not having the yes men around you all the time mm-hmm. and yeah. when you're a male athlete at the top level you've <laughs> all so you've many. got is just people just cupping your nuts 24 yeah. 7 because we're actually talking about this the other day yeah it, but it, like i get that from the groupie side because life's fucking awesome on the other side of the mm. thing like you know even i went to a concert the other day and i was mm-hmm. like a guest of an artist and I didn't have to fucking stand in the mosh pit. Like, mm. they sent a car to get me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, I get it. I get why mm-hmm. it's awesome to be the dude that knows that dude. Mm-hmm. And then you can make a lifestyle out of that. And yeah. so many people do. But then the athlete is like the nucleus of like these weird, this yeah. weird circle of people that's just this yeah, and kind of yes feed off them. They feed off of it. But then when that athlete's no longer relevant, when they've walked away from the sport, are these people still going to be around? And they're not. No, no. Exactly. And then what happens to the person that was in the middle? Mm. Yeah, and it's crazy because when you're an athlete, you never really think about the next step it feels like it's going to last forever like i'm just going to be an athlete and then i'll retire (laughs) yeah and then i'm going to have money to support me for the rest of my life but but that's not really the case two percent of athletes can go on to support themselves is that the statistic it's it's yeah and what was the stats that how many of them go broke um nfl players are broke within two years and nba five years so like it's crazy to think that. Well, look at what just happened with Antonio Brown. Did you see yes. all of that? So he was. Gu- <laughs> what was he guaranteed like? Thirty mil. Yeah. Yeah. Guaranteed. And, and then, then nine Sony signing. I wonder if he got that. Well, apparently they're saying like he just well, got, got nothing. Well, because right? well the Patriots um, they waived him. They cut him. Yeah. So he's not with he's not with the Raiders. He's not with the Patriots. Yeah, but if he signed the contract, then you get nine guaranteed on signing. Even if they waived you after that, you still get that, wouldn't you? 
Yeah. I mean, nine mils, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> for not playing any games, but 30 mil is obviously better. Yeah. And now for him. But it's so fickle. Like, he's one of the best receivers in the game. And it's yeah. like, see ya. But he's got an attitude problem. And that's a lot of, like, a reason why a lot of the teams don't want to associate themselves with them. Well, he's kind of mm. gone, like, full Kanye West, really. I feel like. all the Twitter rants and stuff. Unless you're Kanye West, I feel like you can't get away with that. <laughs> yeah. But I think that he's one of those people. He's very, very determined, driven. So maybe yeah. even if he doesn't play sport again, I feel like he'll mm. go on to do something else because he's that kind of personality he's kind of like a Mayweather like that he loves himself and like like that egocentric kind of dude yeah, yeah. and I feel like there's going to be opportunities for him oh, I think 100%. the stuff with the I mean we don't who knows the ins and outs of it, of it yeah but it's not a good thing to be affiliated with and known as you know like he had such an amazing career and are most people going to know him for that or are they going to remember how he left the league yeah mm. yeah it's true eh? and mm. the crazy thing about like Australia is definitely bad for it in sport, but America is like it's so gnarly with like <laughs> the soap operas oh yeah. that, my that get played out, and like you get all of those radio talk shows, and you get yep. all of those like the ESPN has like five thousand shows about football, yeah, and it's like all it is is just like that. There's just these Perez Hiltons everywhere through they the sport. They love it. They love the drama in America, it's and it's crazy. not just in athletes; it's in do everything. You, you lived in America, so do you find that Americans, just in general, in their everyday life, if they can turn something small into like a big oh. drama that's melting down their whole life, they will. It's yeah. just like rather a, than just letting things go and you know just or just like letting like things are the way they are. I feel like we noticed it a lot. Like we, you know, how they say Americans are extra, and like when we were there, we're like, oh, whoa, that was our favorite line. Like, but oh then, my gosh, they're so. Extra. Yeah. <laughs> but now that we're back here, I'm like, are we extra compared to Australia? <laughs> I sort of, I sort of felt like I got, I come back and I was a bit like a bit extra. Over the top <laughs> yeah, because like yeah. you got because yeah. Australians we're like little wallflowers compared to them. Yeah. So even without knowing it, you kind of do grow a little bit, which is something that's cool about America. Because over there, you can be exactly who you want to be. Yeah. Whereas here, I feel like everyone does. What if other you stand people out, or if you're different, or you know, it's not as it's not accepted. The, the craziest thing, like you walk, like I said, I was sort of in West Hollywood towards the end of living there, mm-hmm. and it's like you could watch fashion. Yeah. Yes. Like, like you could literally see like tall tees. Mm, yeah. And then you're like, fuck. Okay. There's like three dudes wearing these like super long t-shirts. Yeah. And then the next day there's five. And yeah. Then you just, you keep going to La Brea <laughs> and you keep eating at the same cafe or mm-hmm. coffee shop or whatever. And then it's like, then you'll see everyone. Mm-hmm. And then People watching like, over there is like my favorite thing to the, do. <laughs> the trends that start, and it's just yeah. these random guys or random girls that mm-hmm. just, they're extra. Mm-hmm. And then that catches on. Like yeah. you yeah. can literally see trends start living in that like West Hollywood sort mm-hmm. of sunset mm-hmm. area. And then New York's the same. Yeah. So like you're in New York and it's like you, you just see fashion, you see yeah. music, you see trends. And it's cool for people to express. Yeah. Like you can look at people and like, you're so interesting. Like I feel like I know about you just by looking at your outfit. Yeah. And like their confidence and everything. Yeah. And these girls will come up to you on the street and be like, oh my gosh, boo, I love your jeans or yeah, your shoes or whatever. And you know, they're just so open about it and just, yeah. It's a really cool vibe. When I first moved there 2016, I was quite shy and I remember going I was going to I think like a Super Bowl event or something um with some of our teammates and I had on these white shorts and I asked like I was like is it okay if I wear these and she's like you do what you want when you're popping and I was like oh okay okay." and like that was the attitude from then I was like you know what I don't have to worry about what people think like if I feel like I'm popping then that's okay and then I kind of like grew from there and I think my confidence my confidence definitely grew when I was in America I was so quiet when I went over and you know playing the position that I played you can't be quiet or shy you have 
have to be confident you have to be a leader and yeah just really being over there just really helped me step into that and mm. yeah there is like a vibe like well that interesting you guys know jeffree star yes the makeup guy yeah the makeup dude yeah Yeah. so i used to hang out with him a bit through like friends Mm -hmm. so i had friends that were really good friends with him and we went to hawaii and it was before he was like it was just before he really blew up with like his cosmetic thing Mm -hmm. and like he was this like i don't even know what the fuck you'd call him like i don't know (laughs) that he's trans i don't like he's Mm -hmm. he's gay but i don't know like this. he's not tran- he's not like he's just this like gay dude that dresses like he's a chick like, <laughs> yeah he's just such a unique guy and mm-hmm. it's like that was one of the that was like an eye opener hanging around with a mm-hmm. dude like that like I really got to see that thing in effect in America because mm-hmm. he's like he owns this lipstick company yeah like, makes lipstick and cosmetics he's uh, but the, we went to the beach and he was in like bodies that a dude would wear and it was like it was such a weird thing to and it wasn't a prejudice thing like mm-hmm. it was just so interesting to yeah. see a cat like that just the way that he'd get around the way and then the way that like people were just like you just were forced to be cool with it yeah like yeah. you couldn't eat that you didn't even get a chance to be like the fuck's going on here yeah because he was so like unapologetic and so comfortable about it. in his yeah. own skin and yeah it, that, that's a super american thing yeah. yeah that's an energy as well like if you own something that you're gonna do if you own it then people can't come at you yeah. it's only when you kind of like you're doing something yeah. but you're not like a hundred percent then people like can yeah where they see that and then they yeah can and then they try it. and yeah. attack it but if you're like this is what i'm doing and you're yeah like and i don't confident. care what you say because i love me and i want to do me yeah then. then people can't really come in and it's you know the craziest like the craziest <laughs> thing too is like on the, with this podcast of it you get so many comments and people talking shit yeah of but like <laughs> people are so off the mark mm-hmm. like and that's the thing that has given me a little bit more confidence to like see through because I'm not I'm not the person like I was never like I'm gonna start a podcast I want to do this I mean it just happened it mm-hmm. happened the way it happened and I'm trying to roll with it yeah but it's like I was never really that dude so I would sort of take the criticism a bit to heart I'm like oh fuck like yeah that's uh, am I really like that am I this? you know and you sort yeah. of you yeah. have like that little bit where you question it yeah and then you start to realize you're like these people have no fucking idea what they're talking about. Yeah. yeah like no. some, some dude commented the other day. He goes, this guy is so feminine. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I bet he's feminine. Cause but it's I'm usually like, a reflection of yourself. Well, I'm like, Hey dude, I just won two national championships for choking men. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, how is, I, I don't know if there's a less feminine activity you could do than just yeah. fucking some dude up on a mat in front of a bunch of people. Yeah. And it's like, when you realize how wrong people can be mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. like negative comments and negative feedback and just negativity in general, you're mm-hmm. like, if someone's missing the mark by that much, like why the fuck should I even yeah. pay that any attention? Yeah. And it's like that I think is a, uh, that's the attitude that those kind of people have like a Jeffree Star or you know yeah. what I mean? You definitely yeah. have to. And I, we do a lot of self development because when we transitioned from being athletes to entrepreneurs, when you're an athlete you, you don't own being an entrepreneur and we had to go through like a whole growing process of like can we actually step into this new phase yeah. and with that was a lot of self-development and part of that was like when people if there is negativity it's usually a, a reflection of someone else's yeah and what they're going through within it's not even because they don't even do know you. you so why are they you know th- saying the stuff that they do but it's usually something that they're going through inside because you know we never feel the need to go negatively comment on anyone yeah. i would whatever. never yeah, yeah. never 
whatever. And, you know, and I feel like I would see something. I'm like, oh, that's cool. They're doing what they're doing. So, you know, I just keep scrolling or whatever. But I never feel the need to ever go out and put someone down or, you know, so and I feel like that's it comes from within. Yeah. No, I totally agree. People are out here wiling these days. Like We got so much hate from playing in the elevator. We got a lot of love, but we got a lot of hate, too. You know, just people. What kind of stuff would you get? (laughs) <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> this is a whole nother podcast no? yeah. <laughs> going deep girls. <laughs> no but you know just commenting on our body type and you know <laughs> saying we're fat <laughs> um and you know just like oh what kind of hoes are playing in their underwear like what kind, you know just like yeah. negative stuff like that and i'm like you know what i bet you watch every single week so yeah and i bet you you're thinking i wish i could do that or yeah or even if you're not like then just go and live your life yeah. Just have fun and do whatever you like makes you happy. It's so weird to us that I mean, we were pretty lucky, Jane and yeah, I. Yeah, we like, actually didn't even get a bad like, like it as bad, bad as a lot of other <laughs> did people. Did you see other people get it way worse? Yeah, like yeah. it's definitely I feel like we had a lot more lovers than haters. Yeah. But I think maybe the they way. were undercover. <laughs> yeah, what do you think that was all about then? Uh, I have no idea. Maybe it's the way that we presented ourselves or the I don't know and we were just really good because we were focused on building our brand we used to engage with a lot of people we were always liking and commenting and like yeah. people write to us we write back like that was our big thing every day it's yeah, like try and get back I to was people. grateful for the fans that we had and the supporters because I grew up in Australia in Brisbane and I didn't have any fans I mean, when I went over this so I was thankful for even yeah. having one fan like I feel like it's weird to even say that we had fans because we're just yeah they're not people. really so yeah fans like, they're just people that supported us yeah yeah there's a thing that it's funny I've been like thinking about a little bit lately um is that i I was just like for a while and like even now i'm just like waiting it feels like i'm waiting for the day that people wake up and all collectively go like oh yeah he's just a dickhead (laughs) you know what i mean they're like and everything just stops and like because you don't feel when people will message and you see people and like people come up to you you're like you don't see yourself in that same way that they see you mm-hmm. and it makes like uh, anyway so i was doing some research and like people that literally call it imposter syndrome and i was like and i've just I've just come across that term the other day and i so i started like watching some videos and like reading about it and stuff and it's like i feel like that's a super common thing to go through is like you feel like it's all a bit of a fake thing mm-hmm. right i w- listened to a podcast about this the other day it's called like I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on if your brain and you can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay, say good. it, Quincy. <laughs> I've been dying. I, I <laughs> I'm trying so, <laughs> trying so hard not to swear. Um, this is why we make no money off YouTube <laughs> because I refuse to stop swearing. Okay, good. No, but imposter syndrome is huge, and like it's like sometimes you have to sit down and write down like what it is that you think you're an imposter because it doesn't matter how much evidence that you prove to yourself that you are actually doing it and that you're the one that's responsible for like the success that you have and what you're creating you still sometimes think in the back of your mind everyone's gonna know I'm a fraud like I'm not really an entrepreneur like you know what I mean like how does it when does that change and like trying to learn to overcome that yeah it's a weird deal well I felt it when I was trying to be a quarterback you know because I didn't grow up with the sport and it was something quite new to me and I was over in the states and you know I felt a little sometimes a little bit like I wasn't a proper quarterback or you know and the comments that I would get for the way I would play you know I got a lot of hate for during my time playing and not just from fans from the actual people that own the league (laughs) yeah I don't know like I thought what would they say though 
Um, they just bagged her out constantly, actually. Time. So, like, okay, say I but threw a ball. You won a fucking national title. And yeah. they still didn't give her they cred. None. Really? Yeah. So, say, okay, I threw a touchdown, but the ball was a little bit wobbly, right? But it got there, and it was a touchdown. And he was like, oh, what a terrible ball thrown by Jane. And I'm like, I would rather throw an imperfect ball and get a touchdown than throw a perfect spiral and it not be caught. And be picked. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, like, I just, whatever I did, I couldn't ever, you know, win, or I couldn't ever be praised for whatever I did. And I got to the point where I accepted that. I was like, you know what? They're going to hate me regardless. So I'm just going to keep doing me. But yeah, I was just like, wow, everything I did, we played like one of the best games ever in LFL history. We scored on every single offensive drive, which is unheard of. Yeah. Yeah, We scored like 52 points that game. And the common, like the, the guys that were commentating the game were like, oh, you know, the defense didn't show up tonight. Or, you know, they didn't praise yeah. us on how well our offense was. Like, we didn't get a fourth down that whole game. Like, really? we scored within – we everything that we did, we either got a first down or we scored within three downs. And if you understand football, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. yeah like, um, we balled out. Yeah, and we got yeah, no – special teams. <laughs> <laughs> Stay home, motherfuckers. <laughs> Don't need that. Stay on the sideline. Yeah. Yeah. Go cut oranges. We'll be back at halftime. <laughs> No, but yeah. yeah, and we still we didn't get praised that game. He just commented on how terrible the defense was. Rather than did you ever call him out? No, no. Quincy actually <laughs> did at the championship party. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I would have been on Twitter and be like, fuck this dude, and then like <laughs> send it to TMZ. No, but this is the thing with the league as well. It's run by one person that um, you can't really be too vocal about. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just they'll just avoid let you play. Yeah. I actually liked a comment, uh, a negative comment about the league, <laughs> and I got a message from the owner saying, if you do that again, he'll kick you out. I'm like, really? I, I didn't even write the comment. I just liked it. It was just front of our teammates. Yeah. But I feel like some people as well can get it, they would let it get away. But yeah. Not. I, w- I was not a favorite. That's bizarre. Mm. Yeah, I feel like I was the people's quarterback. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Self-appointed. <laughs> <laughs> that is weird though, right? Yeah. Yeah, you'd think as well, like having an Australian, she's beautiful, really good for marketing, really great athlete. Well, he, they had no problems using me for all of the marketing, but yeah. <laughs> but not, not to the extent where they sh- would have they could have capitalized on it so more and like really built you up instead yeah. of like Jane Corbell, can she do it? Like, it's like, yeah, <laughs> she can. And then she I did, did it. And like then. she's show- we had an undefeated season. Yeah. The first undefeated championship winning season in LFL history. And there still didn't Isn't give her the credit. They unfollowed us on Instagram <laughs> when we retired. Really? <laughs> Yeah, that's the like, ultimate. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's when you know the friendship's <laughs> over. <laughs> that's low. Bo- that's low blow. Yeah, that's that's low. low. Yeah. I mean, whatever. It like they what hated it. on Quincy too, but I feel like it was just like because yeah. she was my friend. <laughs> <laughs> we Sorry. Always, whatever happens with us, because we spend so much time together, we have like a really tight friendship. So if someone doesn't like Jane for whatever reason, then we always get put in the same category or same goes. If for I me. get yeah. blocked, she gets blocked. <laughs> Vice versa. <laughs> that's super weird, eh? Yeah. People yeah. kind of. I mean, we are kind of like one person sometimes so they just put us in the same category yeah that would have made it um i moved over to america with a friend Mm -hmm. um and that made it so much easier australian friend yeah yeah yeah. he was from here and his now wife they were just boyfriend girlfriend then they got engaged and they got married um but yeah so the three of us like lived together pretty much the whole time like i sort of moved out with girlfriends and stuff (laughs) here and there but i kind of always would go back and live with them whenever that shit went um yeah, the airflow in here is not the best. <laughs> um, or they might have turned the aircon off out there. They're trying to sweat us out. Yeah. Wait, we've got you should like, have been nicer to him before we came in here. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that, that aircon's like literally freezes the place. Mm-hmm. So 
then it only comes in here and we've got we build all these like silencer boxes mm -hmm. so the airflow is not as good as out there mm -hmm. so then out there they all freeze and then in here is like nice yeah. so we got to get some like yeah anyway we're still we're still <laughs> building but it'll get better yeah. so that probably just turned the air gone off so it's, all good. Good. it's yeah, not even good. summer yet so we might be in trouble oh. when, when summer rolls around <laughs> but yeah um it made it like i couldn't imagine living there because it was like seven or eight years and i just couldn't imagine doing that without someone from home you know like it was such a because as much as you could think that america and australia are quite similar like it's there's such a it's massive cultural difference and i yeah. don't think i could have lived over there by myself for that i don't long. know how i would have done it without quincy like i didn't have quincy my first year and then you know we met together when we we're in la but it was so hard i was on my own and i didn't really connect with americans because just their their mindset and their mentality and things are, how they approach things i didn't really connect with and you know there were a lot of people i met who were amazing but at the same time it's different huh? it's different yeah and i don't know sometimes quincy and i would look at each other when someone says something and we're just like oh, americans <laughs> <laughs> no i totally like even now for me like spending so much time over there like i got a good group of friends but there's only a few people that i still talk to mm -hmm. like a lot you know yeah. that are and they were outliers to me they weren't like the average kind of american dude yeah and there's it's nothing against america like it's not yeah. that yeah. you know what i mean I it's just there's more of a cultural difference than what people expect and yeah. it's uh, even more than i expected by like far and away but it's such a different experience living mm. in another country and i mean can you imagine going to europe yeah i think it's like the same anywhere and it's yeah. not so much the people because i have so many really cool american friends and i actually love america and oh, i love, love to eventually too, yeah. live there because i feel like that's just my vibe but but, but even when we were there without each other you know it wasn't as fun yeah so. i went i went uh, I was gonna say home. home. <laughs> I went there for Christmas this year, and Jane wasn't there. By the time I came back here, I was like, oh, "America's actually not the same without you." Like, yeah. do I love America or do I love America with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally, totally get that. Because yeah. like me, Jay uh, and Patty are actually they're moving back here. Fine, like they've been there ten years now, mm -hmm. and they're moving back. And I'm so excited for them to come back uh, because you know, like you and you get such a special connection mm -hmm. when like there's nobody else it's like you feel like that's the only family yeah and people that experience like even i had like a weird disconnect with my family when i lived there mm -hmm. because and still now with my brother like we're not as close as we used to be because mm -hmm. i couldn't talk to him about anything that was going on mm -hmm. like oh, i went here it's like they no fucking idea what you're talking about yeah like yeah. no no one can relate and then it's like you can say, oh, yeah, I worked really tough with this and I'm struggling with it. And they just they don't know what to say because they're not there. So yeah. like having someone that really understands like what you're going through and what it's like to be an Australian living away. You guys were doing the same mm -hmm. thing with sport. Like there'd be such a crazy connection between you two yeah. that you wouldn't like people unless you've experienced something similar, you'd have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Like people could not understand how close you guys are. Yeah, and that's something that we're really proud of, actually. Like yeah. people comment all the time, 
you know, you two have such good energy together, your friendship, like it's very rare to find a friendship like ours and like we're very grateful. We had such a similar journey and we spent so much time together. That, yeah. like, it was like, actually funny how we <laughs> how we came together. So I played in Atlanta my first year, then I went to LA, which is where Quincy came over then and played. And we were like, we were cool. Like we were, like there was only another, two other Australians on the team. So we were quite close just because the other American girls on the team had to work during the day, whereas we had time off and we could hang out. So we were close, but we weren't super close. Um, then the end of that season and I got offered to go play in Chicago and I accepted it and I was going by myself. And um, <laughs> and then my last night out in LA, you know, we went out and then we went to Barry's Cafe. Have you been to Barry's Cafe? Uh, oh. Where else is that? Uh, it's on Melrose Avenue. Really? Yeah. No, so good. Really? The best lobster pizza and pasta you'll ever have in your life. No way. Just for anyone right. going to LA, we've go never to had, Cafe. We've never had it sober. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. yeah true it's a after after the club you go there they're open to like 5 a.m or something yeah yeah Yeah, it's like that so i wanted to go there for my last meal in la before i moved to chicago that's chipotle for me (laughs) (laughs) but they have chipotle in chicago so you know yeah yeah, yeah, it's barry's cafe um yeah so we went there and we went out with a teammate and then she left and it was just quincy and i we went to barry's cafe together we were just drunk and talking and you know drunk (laughs) chat (laughs) then i convinced her i was like oh just joking around i'm like you should come to chicago and, and then I, yeah and i was like good idea and i had you know when you were, were bit, you playing at the time over there yeah but so, you were for a different team no so we, for la we, we were both, both playing for uh, la yeah, yeah and my plan was to play for la again like yeah. i loved living in la and jane accidentally told me something she thought that i knew but i didn't about like the people that i was going to be living with that next season and then i was like wait what and then i was like uh and I what, felt, what was that <laughs> like the juicy that gossip. Gossip. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know what would deter someone from moving in with people. Uh, It was just like girl code, you know, like you don't talk to a guy or do anything with a guy Uh, that one of the girls is talking to. You know what I mean? So So I'd been away for the summer because we obviously would play and then I went back to Australia and then I came back and obviously she was seeing Yeah, I went to a party with this girl and the guy that, you know, she hooked up with the guy and I didn't know that Quincy was talking to him. So I was like, okay, cool. And then we were talking and then she was telling me about this guy and I was like, isn't that the guy that, and then, oh, I let it slip. I didn't realize I was joking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. So it was just, yeah. like, it was actually so coincidental, but it was meant to be. Cause like, I was like, I don't want to be in LA anymore. You know, I was drunk. I was yeah, being extra. Yeah. I was like, book <laughs> a flight to Chicago. Yeah. Then she slips that in and then I get my phone out, one eye open and I just book a flight to Chicago and really? we go straight from the, the airport. I mean, no, no, we went from the restaurant to the, the house, packed up our bags, like went to the airport at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., whatever. No our way. flight was at 9. Mm-hmm. And then I get there and I was like, oh, what are we going to tell the Chicago coaches? <laughs> like, Quincy's here with me. So I give him a call. I'm like, hey, um, she's I have, like, I've got someone to speak with you. And she passes me the phone. <laughs> yeah, I was going to do it. No. <laughs> I'm like, hi, I'm Quincy Hewitt. I'll play tight end. I was like, do you guys need a tight end? They're like, that's one position we need. He was like, I'll get on the plane. Back. Really? Yeah. 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 He was yeah. like, I'll call you back. He called the head coach. They're like, get on the plane. I was like, I'm already at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Yeah. And then we went to Chicago. We got picked up on the other end by my quarterback coach. It and was snowing. I had jeans and thongs on. Really? Like ripped jeans. O- Aussie shit. I yeah. woke up. Yeah. I woke up in Chicago. And, like, and, I was, and I was hungover and I was like, 
where am I? What did I do? It was February. Yeah, February in She's Chicago. like, we're in Chicago. I'm like, where? She's like, where's did the you, ocean? Did you really not know? Like, I didn't know didn't anything about any Chicago. I did remember, like, I remember that oh, we'd done yeah. something, but I didn't remember, like, the, the gist of it. We yeah. woke up a little bit sober in Chicago and realized what happened. Yeah, I called my mom. I was like, I moved to Chicago. She's like, you're crazy. I'm like, oh, well. She's like, do you know how dangerous that city is? And, like, yeah, and they sorted out accommodation for me because they thought it was only me coming. So I had one room. And then Quincy and I, we shared that room because they couldn't get another room for her and we we're just like okay so, so were, you we're, got, were you just in like a hotel no, no we were staying at the quarterback coach's cousins no. <laughs> <laughs> that's another story oh, that's okay. another story no his friend's house <laughs> I love that side eye. Tell that story. You can't just leave it there. No, he told us it was his cousin. That it was just a He mate. told me, no, it was someone that he was sleeping with. I don't know. Why. She got family zoned. Yeah, well, like, oh, so I said to her one day, I was like, um, so how are you guys related? Like, are you on the mum's side or the dad's side? And she was like, what? And I was like, aren't you Pike's cousin? And she was like, no. Did she like him? They or had, they had, they a, had a, a weird relationship uh, yeah they had a thing and it got and she, weirder after he said she was a cousin. <laughs> yeah but she well, we I ended up it's so funny because we ended up creating like an amazing friendship with her she looked after us she was like our american sister yeah Mom, i mean she was similar age but she was incredible so we ended up being closer with her than with really? our coach yeah like we love her still talk to her all the time our, like jane's car's still at her house like when we go back to chicago we'll go there yeah. No way. yeah but yeah it was just so crazy how it all went down but yeah quincy and i we ended up sharing a room for a whole year like just you one had bedroom one room in the house yeah yeah how so, was that with closet space uh, well, we um, had shit everywhere yeah we <laughs> had we had two drawers and a closet and they were full and there were, we still had clothes in our suitcases I don't even know how much stuff... How did we get all that stuff over to America? Like, I swear we only had 25 kilos (laughs) allowance to get over there. Yeah, I don't know. So we used to train at a really cool sports performance facility in Chicago and used to take an hour to get there. So we... Fuck, that's everywhere in America. Yeah, so... The traffic is so bad. And also, we didn't live in Chicago. We lived an hour outside They of told Chicago. us we lived in Chicago, but it was actually... Well, that's like, like when people are like, oh, I live in LA. It's like, and where? And then they're like, well, I'm in Pomona. And you're like, well, you're not really in LA <laughs> then, in right? Because that takes two hours to get to at 4 p.m. Yeah, no, 100%. So we used to drive... We just did everything together. We came like a little old married couple. We obviously had one bed. She drove two workouts. I drove home. We, we did two a day. So we'd drive an hour to workouts. We'd work out for two or three hours. We'd drive home an hour. We'd have food. We'd go to sleep. And then we'd drive an hour and a half into the city for team practice. Three hours of practice, an hour and a half home. So we were on the road like five hours a day. We used to do like That's riddles and stuff. That's super committed. Yeah. Like, yeah. So we just got so close. Like we, we have our little like yeah. things. We know each other's like quirks. We know... Yeah. yeah, and that's why when I hear NFL guys complain about anything, anything at all, I'm like, do you know what we had to go through to play? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I mean, it, it makes total sense. Like, yeah. That whole, like, Jay and I, our thing would be in the cars. And I was just talking to one of my mates here about it the other day. I think that you get really close with people that you have the same music taste with mm-hmm. because you want to drive places with that person. Yeah. So, like, anyone that you can hold a good conversation with or listen to the same music as then you'll go like, you know what? I fucking will go this. I will go here with Jay. Yeah, and it's like yeah. a two-hour drive or it's an hour drive because you're like, you know, you're going to listen to the same music and you're going to yeah. like be able mm. to sort of have some conversations. Yeah. But like our friendship was formed in the car, really. Ours yeah. too. Like it's crazy how it works. And it because America, like it, t- it takes fucking forever to get anywhere. Like we yeah. used to surf every morning. And so we lived in Temecula 
and then the, we'd surf at Oceanside, which is just near San Diego. So mm-hmm. we, it'd be 45 minutes there, 45 minutes back to surf. And we did that every single day. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, you just build this friendship over being in the car. Mm-hmm. You've got to go to, to a job in LA. That's two hours in the car. You've got to go to the airport. Like we'd fly, when we were doing the motocross stuff, we'd fly out on a Thursday, be at the race Friday, Saturday, fly home on a Sunday. So it's like an hour to the airport. Mm-hmm. Then you're in the plane together. And then you're driving to wherever the race is together. Yeah. And then you're mm-hmm. there for a couple of days. And then you got to do that all over again. So it's like you're just sitting next to a person for mm-hmm. so, like yeah. so many hours. <laughs> like you end up knowing everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I can totally relate to, to we, that. And we loved road trips. So like we drove 18 hours to Canada. To Canada. Once. To Ottawa. Um, and Toronto. Yeah, yeah we drove right. to Houston. We, we did, drove to yeah. New Orleans. Like we drove a lot. Like we just Whenever get- we had time off from a game or, you know, it was at the end of the season or whatever, we always went on a road trip anywhere. Yeah. And because in America it's so much fun, you know, on the road trips, like they have the big highways, they have all the truck stops on the side of the road. And it's actually faster to get to pl- some places anyway. It is faster than flying sometimes. Yeah, because yeah. the security lines at the airport yeah. and all, it's just a mess. And I'm just like, I prefer driving. You can leave whenever you want and then it's like a journey it's like an adventure you yeah we like stop up and do like the funniest stuff we oh. always <laughs> we need to tell about ship shawana <laughs> yeah go on <laughs> we took a two-hour detour once we were going to indiana for a photo shoot or something or maybe to watch a basketball Indianapolis. game yeah i can't remember what it was um and, and we, i don't know how we got this fascination for the amish we, just like, we were just oh, obsessed isn't it with weird them. yeah so weird yes i'm totally with you <laughs> so we drove two hours out of our way we went to ship shawana which is like the the amish capital of indiana yeah <laughs> Um, <laughs> and then we just drove the streets, just, just like looking, looking at their houses, looking at them. They like, had buggies in the driveway where cars would normally be, and you know the horses yeah. out the back, and they were just in, dressed in the, the full, full gowns, outfits, and like, they had the long beards. And I was so fascinated. Like by you think it. it's in the movies, like you just don't think it's legit, and then you see but it, I and you still all like all of America. Yeah. <laughs> like all of America, you're like, no, that's a fucking movie. Like that's yeah. not real, right? Like, do you think they're police cars? Their police cars are like 35 years old. You see them in the movies when you're a kid, and then you get there, and they have the same the exact, same shit. Like we yeah. have these like really new modern cars here, and the police cars there are like the old school ones in the movie. It's like, is this real? Dude, I used to date a chick that owned an old police car. <laughs> And I used to, like, we'd get drunk and, like, drive this police car around and, like, we'd get one of the sirens <laughs> and we'd, like, pull people over and then we'd drive off. <laughs> you get in so much trouble for that shit. Yeah, that's so funny. But, yeah, every t- it was funny. Like, any time we went anywhere with her, like, the cars would just slow down around us. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it's a cop car. Yeah, because they're, like, it's a cop for sure. But, yeah, no, it's it, every everything in America is like the movies. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I used to... There was some uh, a company that I'd work with, and they're in Compton, mm-hmm. and you'd I'd like drive in Compton, and you know, I'm like, fuck, it's just like the mood. Like Compton is exactly like every rap song mm-hmm. and every, and mm-hmm. I I got super into like hip hop and rap over there mm-hmm. because it was just so sick. Like I I got the references. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. my business partner, um, at the end of my time over there, he lived in Lawrenceville, Georgia, which is Gwinnett County. I lived in Lawrenceville when I was really? in Atlanta. Yeah, that's so really? crazy. Yeah, no I lived it, like way out in Lawrenceville. No yeah. way. In Gwinnett, we used to play at Gwinnett Arena. So I know like the really? Sugarloaf Mall that's right there yeah. in Lawrenceville. Yeah, no I used shit. to go there all the time. <laughs> oh, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, Crystal Water Court. 
Crystal Water Court. Okay, I don't probably shouldn't say that on the internet. <laughs> really, but that's where did where, I live? I can't remember where. the street name now. <laughs> but yeah, so like, but so many guys come out of like Gwinnett County and like the rap culture now. Yeah. So you, I think like Kodak Black is from mm-hmm. there. Like so many people come out of Gwinnett County. Yeah. I think like Walker Flockers from there. Like, yeah, yeah. I've actually met Walker Flocker. Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> at a he's party, actually yeah. a super cool dude. Well, yeah. <laughs> I met him at, at Warp Tour, and he was like, he was on our bus that Warp Tour is like yeah. a really nice dude that's the cool thing about America as well like I feel like you grow up and you can see all these musicians and you can see all these actors and then when you're in America you can go to parties and you're in the club with them and yeah. it's like completely normal and all the athletes I don't know it's just so yeah w- it is well, weird when, huh? it's trippy the first night that I went out in Atlanta I met Roddy White and Julio Jones really you know, from the yeah, Atlanta yeah, yeah, Falcons yeah. yeah and it was just so crazy Julio and Jones is a freak yeah he that is dude's insane he is and I was with one of my friends who's also Australian and we got invited into their booth and the Atlanta girls were like how did you guys do that this is your first night out in America and you're already getting invited to these booths we're like oh I don't know let's all go <laughs> <laughs> well that's like um I saw uh Gucci Mane was in a club in Vegas one time mm-hmm. and so I had a table at the Bellagio and uh, like we had like a bit of a thing there and um so I had this table and my buddy Jay who I was talking about he was the one that organized it all and then he gets in he doesn't really party and we like we had like suits and shit and then we get get in we got the table and then Jay's like nah I'm fucking out and he went to bed and so I was just like had this table by myself mm-hmm. and I'm just like sort of it was awkward as fuck and I was just sitting there <laughs> and I'm like oh, I'm gonna turn this night around like it's gonna be fun yeah. and then Gucci Mane rocks up and he gets the table next to me because mm-hmm. he was about to play it was at the bank at 50 yeah, cent, yeah, yeah, yeah. 50 cents club and um so then we were there and uh it was me tiny white dude and then Gucci Mane <laughs> with like all the, just the biggest crew ever and uh, they were like spilling out over onto my thing and I just was like Gucci what's up man and i was like you guys can just let's just move this whole party across and take over this whole thing and he was like really and um so yeah i just had like this random night with gucci man and like his whole his whole whole entourage and they were like the coolest people yeah Mm -hmm. but that's like such a that's like such a that only happens there you know yeah Mm -hmm. and being australian is such a good icebreaker as well they're like they they love it they love it they hear you talking they're like where are you from (laughs) (laughs) and they just want to know more i feel like i don't know if it's just Australians like down to earth kind of personalities there we're so approachable yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know what it wherever is wherever we go we always we meet always the most random cool people every single like all the time it's <laughs> insane that was a thing that I was really um cautious to not get addicted to though mm-hmm. because I feel like well I definitely know people over there that's like they just that was their card Mm. And like they just wanted to play that card all the time, and it like it wasn't super genuine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, we got to be careful that you don't, you know, because then, because I was like, at some point I'm going to move home, and no one's going to give a fuck. <laughs> so it's like I can't live my life constantly just pulling that card yeah, all yeah, the time, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? Because yeah, especially with girls over there, like you could just pick up girls so easily yeah. by just going full-blown Aussie like everything that you did you know and, it's, and then you come home and then it was just like fuck off bro yeah I was like yeah I was like I was like do not do not get addicted to playing that card <laughs> because like so many people that's like they just can't like once that's you get their a taste only pickup that, tool yeah and yeah. once when once you get a like you have a taste of that shit you're like that's just your, your thing forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's a, it can be a weird deal. You yeah. can even forget like when you come home and then someone like approaches you and then they you talk and it has no effect on them and you're like, 
Oh, oh. usually, uh, <laughs> well, you're just asking for my number by now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, excuse me. <laughs> Don't just leave. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny. But it's true, eh? Like that, that shit. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. It's there. real. People yeah. are like, I could listen to you talk all day. I'm yep. like, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you got to be careful. It's a trap. Yeah. It's a trap. It is a trap. That's why I'm moving back there now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But some, some people, man, that's like, they just get so deep into that whole thing. Yeah. And a lot of people would always say to me too, like, oh, how'd you live there for so long? You didn't lose your accent. And I was like, <laughs> you can't. And you know, that we, was money, baby. <laughs> we actually have a friend who sounds more Australian there i'm like you didn't oh i why was that guy though <laughs> oh she's like hey mate i'm like you didn't even say mate. that yeah you, you didn't, didn't say, say that, that in australia <laughs> nah, I, would, I would do that and like mostly with work though like yeah. whenever I, whenever it was work i just wanted to whenever i was in like business meetings or like pitching stuff yeah i'd want to just be like Step. go in there and just like that dude's gonna remember who I am. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. As opposed to just like being sort of. So that it was. That's a smart business move. Oh, it was crazy good for yeah. that. But yeah, in like social si- situations, and then like you just don't want to get to the point where you go to a party and they're like, "Oi, oi, oi, come here and say this, say that, or say uh, yeah, shrimp on a barbie," no, and you're oh, like, oh, "I'm fucking done with yeah, this." Yeah, no, <laughs> I got over so many conversations, so many times they'd ask me like, "Oh, do you have kangaroos in your backyard?" I'm like, "No, I don't. I live in Brisbane City." <laughs> yeah, it's like. <laughs> any other city yeah, like, oh, like well we can't come and visit you because we don't want to die I'm like you live in Chicago you live on the south side yeah. of Chicago and you're worried about snakes when there's guns on every single yeah. block that yeah. you live in like that doesn't make any sense Did, was that weird for you guys like knowing that you're in such like a violent place like but the thing what I got very uh, it was like really startling to like know the where that's the term wrong side of the tracks comes from like you can literally stand on a train track and you can there's this one place in like Burbank mm-hmm. where it's like super nice yeah railway track fucking ghetto Hood. and it's yeah. like holy it's this like, whole like wrong side of the tracks is like actually real like yeah. that comes from here there's like a railway line this is one suburb that's another suburb mm-hmm. and it's like yeah. it was always a tiny bit unsettling over there yeah well in Chicago it was a highway one side of the highway was nice the other side wasn't and yeah. you're just driving <laughs> along and you know you look if you get the, off on the wrong exit like don't stop at the light. Don't stop at the mm. red light. You, you got to like, be really careful about you, even just looking at people when you're driving. You got just got to keep your eyes on the road and don't look at anyone. And you just have to be really careful about where you go. And yeah, yeah. I mean, we were like, we weren't super we, cautious because yeah. we're very inquisitive. So we like yeah. to push the boundaries. The, I remember the first time I had a gunshot. I thought it was a firework. Where was that at? That was at, at practice. practice. <laughs> <laughs> we practiced on the south side of Chicago because majority of our teammates lived on the south side of Chicago, so it was close for them. Um, and also, it was a nice field. It was near the yeah. It was in a in a south. So it, it was wasn't city south, so it wasn't south side south wasn't side. Ghetto, but it, ghetto. but yeah. it was on the way there, couple yeah. streets down, and yeah. <laughs> and so, what you just hear like a one shot pop off or like multiple shots? No, I, I heard one. I mean, we've heard a couple, but every single practice there were sirens. You know, police yeah. or ambulance, fire. Every single practice we got used to hearing the sirens yeah. that's how crazy it is you come back to australia it's so quiet you'd never hear the well, sirens that's like new york you just it's Constant. every time you get there it's like beep 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 yeah. beep yep. beep mm. beep and then like by the end of your trip there you're just like you just don't even hear it yeah anymore. but i think chicago as a whole like because both of our parents when we went they were like you know that's so, so yeah. worried. they call it chirac because more yeah. people die from gun violence than they do in, in iraq. iraq yeah um but 
it, the people there are so nice. Like yeah. we loved Chicago. The Midwest people, so yeah. friendly, so funny. Because it's kind of like earth. country but city. You yeah. know, it's like, but a lot of the, sur- the surrounding cities around Chicago, they're quite country, like Indiana, yeah. St. Louis. Um, yeah. Uh, what are the other ones? Oh, <laughs> Milwaukee. Uh, yeah. So they're all quite country and then parts of Michigan as well. And to come from LA, which is quite pretentious and oh, you know yeah. what I mean like that vibe of just like people are very city the first question they ask you is like what do you do people want to know the, your resume and who you know yeah. before they want to get to know you whereas in Chicago they're like oh you want some chicken you want to like come and hang out with my family like yeah. come to this barbecue yeah. like everyone it's just a different vibe I loved Chicago and you know there are parts of Chicago that are quite dangerous but then there are other parts that are so beautiful and it's like mm. any city in America but Chicago was really special like, like the downtown area now. was you know, it had old school architecture and yeah. um, it was just really beautiful. And, it was, you know, there was a big Italian uh, community there and we made friends with a couple of the mobsters. No. Really? <laughs> no, yeah, we actually did. <laughs> we can't talk about that. Yeah, joke. we can't yeah. talk about that. I got, a, I got a mafia friend in L.A. too. That was <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're so nice. Yeah, they, they, you'd go to like, uh, we'd go to dinners and stuff and it's like full blown like there's 40 of them there yeah and it's like right up in the nicest parts of beverly hills yeah fuck it again just like the movies yeah just like the movies and there was this restaurant that we went to and it's an italian restaurant and by the time we moved downtown it was right around the corner from where we live so we went there all the time and on the wall are photos of frank sinatra and robert uh what is it robert de niro and like like all the these whole because it's been around for 35 years like every single famous person in america has dined mm. there it's like one of those old like the walls are just covered in like really cool old pictures of like incredible people so if you ever go to chicago go to las Corella, you'll see us on the wall <laughs> oh you guys are oh, the wall, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we became really good friends with the owner yeah that's awesome eh? yeah and we would sometimes go there like the night or two nights before a game you know to carb load and get some <laughs> energy and they would always we never had to pay for dinner there like they loved yeah, us right. yeah that's yeah. awesome eh? when you're all the white stuff like everyone as soon as we walk in people would be like who are these guys like hey everyone comes out gives us a hug it was like a family so whenever felt we felt homesick we always went to las girl yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. so they fed us good food and they loved on us <laughs> and also he made us drink wine all the time yeah. and gave us watermelon <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, it was so great. Like we were like their kids. <laughs> That's all, yeah, people people in America are so good with hospitality. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to that, and that I loved every time I'd go and stay in Atlanta. Like Atlanta is oh, such a good city Atlanta. for that. Day. Like yeah. I love and the the people that are in the city. Like mm-hmm. even just like busboys at hotels and yeah. taxi drivers and all of that. Like. Man, the funnest Uber driver I've ever had was in Athens. We went to for a oh, uh, you went to the University game. of Georgia yeah, game, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'd go, we went there, and like we had like this big black chick, and she was like the coolest chick I've ever met in my life. Eh? Mm. And again, it was just like she could be in a movie. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. No, they're so cool. I love Atlanta. It was like my. It was the first city that I lived in when I first went there. And yeah, just the Southern hospitality. It's no joke. It's, it's different. A real it's a thing. real thing. People talk about that. But when yeah, you go down there, they open sure. the doors. And like Man, guys, the like co- they're not, they're not even creepy. They're like, ma'am, you're so beautiful. Like, and then they're like, have yeah. a good day. Like they're not trying to like get yeah. your number or be weird. They're just like so appreciative of women and like, yeah, want to look after you. And I don't know. I Did you like it. Waffle House? Yes. <laughs> love Waffle yeah, House. No, I did. I was trying to think what I got there. Like, because I would, a lot of the boys would get like chicken and waffles, which I never really yeah, got yeah. that into. Like, I used to keep it pretty Aussie when I was over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And I used to, I, I hated the bacon, the way that they oh, cooked the bacon. The bacon is so it's crispy. Just, yeah. It's, it's so, too much. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> so. enjoy it either. I stopped eating bacon when I went over there because I just didn't enjoy it. I hate it like 
I love the food. Uh, you could get good food in America. Mm-hmm. That was probably the biggest thing that changed the, in the time that I was there. It was like when I first was there, I think it was like 2011. Mm-hmm. Was it my first year there? And just like the food got so much better in that time. It's like so many people like started to appreciate what actual good food was. Mm-hmm. But like it just seemed like they never figured out breakfast until I moved like right in. Like we're on Sunset basically mm-hmm. so like until i was right in there and you'd get a couple of cafes but the ones that we went to are actually owned by australians mm-hmm. because yeah. like australia like we talked about it before we just get so spoiled with um Brunch. with cafes and like the breakfast like breakfast culture mm-hmm. american food is like we'll give you as much as we can for as cheap as possible yeah like that yeah. that's their base concept around food and that's kind of their base concept around everything yeah it's like we're gonna give you the biggest and the best for the cheapest price and it's like that's who wins to the point where they have dollar stores you know so like that's their their culture yeah so i just couldn't get my head around breakfast there we went to a place in chicago it was called yoke and that was actually yeah that is good oh you've been to yoke not in chicago but i have been oh a yoke yeah Yeah. Yeah. so that was kind of our best aren't they they called broken yoke Oh, uh, I can't remember. Or yolk. Oh. Yolk. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. But like we got into the skillets. They yeah, and the corned beef hash. Yeah, that yeah, corn that, that was what I was <laughs> like. I'd like corned beef hash. Yeah. And then the and they the, come the in potatoes like in yeah. the and onion. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. No no peppers though, which you know we call capsicum. Capsicum. They yeah. love it over there. In breakfast? Like I don't yeah, get it. I don't like it. Yeah, no, I did there there was a place that we'd go to in um in it was like on La Brea or something mm-hmm. and then they had their corned beef hash and I mm. just was all about so it good. that was my favorite breakfast but other than that and I do love it as well that when you order a savory breakfast that comes with pancakes on the side <laughs> so you kind of get yeah. the yeah. best of both worlds I mean obviously it doesn't help because you put on 10 kgs while you're living there but it's just nice because here you just order your breakfast and then it comes and there's no like stack of pancakes. Yeah, I got it. Like, <laughs> just, a, just a munch on, yeah. Yeah, with the maple syrup, so simple, so delicious. And you know what? Like, <laughs> so <laughs> good. But I got a little bit like chubby when I was over there, but it was fine because the men loved it. They love like thicker women. And it's I was like, different, eh? in Australia, yeah. I'm like, you know, they don't appreciate that as much, but go, you go over to America and they're like, damn girl. You know? yeah. Like, yeah, you can put on a bit of weight and people are like, oh, you're so curvy. Oh, you're yeah. so thick. And you're like, yeah, I feel like that's it. Starting to happen here though. Yeah, but only just because yeah. no, I don't know. <laughs> like is. <laughs> Isn't it funny though that, that how those trends get started and shaped though? Because like you can see it here now. And like I got friends that it's like they're like, oh man, I just love thick girls. And yeah. it's like that wasn't a thing before. Like yeah. it was all Australia was always like the skinny model surfy like, style surf chick, you like know? with the and, you kind know, of washboard stomach yeah and like no hips no i bum. actually got invited to what was it like a model interview or agency or whatever and i was like okay cool and i went down there and i was in the room and the all the other girls in that room were blonde and very beautiful thin that surfy australian look and i was the only one that was you know a little bit curvy i had long brown hair and you know i just looked different and i was like oh you know what like i might stand out and then they obviously came back and said i was too thick for their style but, <laughs> but i was I like mean, why did you good. invite her yeah i was like you saw my instagram like why <laughs> what did you expect <laughs> i feel like i feel like it is changing like mm. it's just mm. it's one of those sort of trend things but i think that in america like especially in the african-american community and you get like puerto rican like they're the just Hispanic, naturally yeah. thick girls yeah. so yeah. it's like i don't think like it's not it's not culturally viable to have those rail the, thin women yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's nice i think 
for people who have different body types like I grew up I've always had big hips always and my both my sister my mum is really skinny and both my sisters are really skinny so I was like where did these hips come from and I was always like the big sister and then I went to America and like they loved it and I was like yeah like I finally felt like it was okay to have my body shape whereas I grew up always wanting because I used to surf when I was growing up like I was always really sporty but I had these massive hips and this butt and I was always like hated it like I want to get rid of my butt now I'm like grow butt grow (laughs) I was the same growing up because um my mum's side of the family are Thai and I was born in Thailand and all the women there are so thin and petite and I got my dad's body you know he was a rugby player and I got his big thick legs he's Australian yeah okay yeah yeah um so yeah and all my cousins are so thin and you know like really I don't know petite and I just never fit in my aunties always like why are you so muscly like and I was like oh I play sports sorry (laughs) you know it just wasn't accepted and then yeah when I went to America it was completely different they loved it is that a thing for girls growing up that like like how conscious have you been for your whole life of like body image body type like how you look is it always a thing that is because i mean i suppose for a way with guys though like because i was always super skinny like Mm -hmm. i even i was even showing my girlfriend a picture of me from like 11 years ago and she was like what the fuck like you were so (laughs) so skinny and i guess that i was like self-conscious about that Mm -hmm. as a dude but i feel like it's not the same as like being self-conscious as a girl right Mm -hmm. when you're growing up i think it's changed now because the internet you have access to look at everyone and see that there are other body types out there yeah. i grew up in small town new zealand and the only media that we had were magazines dolly magazine like those girlfriend yeah, whatever yeah. they were so it's just those skinny surfy style bodies so for me it was like i could never attain that yeah. like yeah. no matter how skinny i tried to make myself it just didn't work so for me it was an issue i think young girls coming through now they can open their social media and they can see beautiful women in all different yeah. sizes so they're like you know what like she's cool everyone loves her she's got hips like me so that's okay i don't know if it's yeah changed. whereas back then it was very there it was, was just, one look there was that one was look the look yeah 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 i don't know i felt the same growing up but i always played sports so i was always a little bit more muscly than everyone else and i mean for a long time i didn't really care because i wasn't really into boys until <laughs> like i was a lot older yeah. but once you are kind of in that then you get a little bit more self-conscious and you yeah. think about that kind of stuff and you know i had my mum's side of the family telling me that i was you know big all the time and you know that kind of stuff gets to you and then you know we got into the lfl and they're very body conscious there and quincy and i've been on the fat list a couple of times <laughs> oh really they have yeah. like a list for they the have list. a list what they girls have, need to slim down a bit. Yeah, yeah you have but to you want to be big. Like you have fucking legitimate collisions with people. Yeah, like. but you, they just want you to be lean and toned, which is fine because that's athletic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they make you feel. Well, some girls they made them feel really bad about themselves, and yeah, I think it's just not the right way to approach it. Um, yeah, I think that encouraging people to be healthy and fit, especially if you're playing a sport in that outfit, yeah, is like, and that's their brand, so we definitely get it. But I don't. Yeah. But creating like, a fat list, like, we were on the fat list there. Like, I mean, we're thicker, but we're not fat. Yeah, I no. wouldn't say that we're fat. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to be that size again. Yeah, actually, uh, actually, you're <laughs> pretty good there. <laughs> yeah, so like, it kind of does mess with your head, especially when you are training all the time and you're like what more can I actually yeah, do yeah like there's nothing else I can more I can do and I'm like I'm not giving up my sweets so <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't care chocolate yeah I was like um, I need something to keep me sane <laughs> I just gotta change this I forgot to delete this card so I gotta do something real quick okay sorry we'll take a two second intermission okay cool no worries oh. yeah have some water I forgot as soon as it started <laughs> oh, shit. I was like shit oh. I didn't uh, delete How's the podcast so far, guys? 
Good. Yeah, really good. I'm having fun. That's the main thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, rookie move on my behalf. Yeah, I can't believe we're on the fat list then. Yeah. We're killing it. I mean, I have a little bit of a muffin top, but those undies were tight as shit. <laughs> it was so tight. One size does not fit all. Is that what they said? Yeah. They gave us a uniform that was one size fits all, so the linemen wore the same uniform as the receivers. Well, that's probably, like, part of the... So that's why the, those undies they, on me, I yeah. used to get the undies and I used to rip the seams, because otherwise I'd dig in and burn. Yeah. That's probably part of um, why they... Like the one size fits all thing is like this is how we get you to all look the same, like the way that we want you to, you know? Yeah, yeah and they're just cheap. They just wanted to make the uniform cheap and easy because the the uniform gets pretty much destroyed every game, so they you get a new uniform. Um, so I think that they just it's just cheap, mass produced in Asia or something. Yeah, uh, in China, yeah, it was, yeah. makes sense. Um, it's funny that you said that with like I didn't care until I started caring about boys. Yeah, but it was <laughs> funny because like. When I was growing up, it, and even still, I'm like, don't girls choose boys? Not that, you know what I mean? Like, I always felt like it was the girl that had the choice of, like, if they dated a boy. So, I, I don't know whether it's, like, maybe that just wasn't one of the cool dudes that got to, like, choose the girl that he wanted. But to, for me, it, it feels, it, it's so weird to hear a girl be conscious of themselves about like what a boy will think because I'm like don't you guys pick like aren't you guys <laughs> the one that make the call on this how funny because like I feel like on a girl's side you know you want to I don't know you want to look good and you want to be appealing but yeah I don't know I was I was super shy growing up so my we experience were just is probably we were just talking about this talk actually about this. like super frigid <laughs> yeah I was so frigid <laughs> that's so good <laughs> I was pretty frigid in high school too yeah, because yeah. I went to an all-girls school um, from grade 3 to grade 10. So I didn't really have that much exposure to boys. And the ones that I did, it was because I have an older brother and all of his friends and the guys that I did athletics with. But other than that, I didn't really. And, you know, because I was more of a tomboy growing yeah. up. So I wasn't really into that. And then I, you know, started liking the color pink and <laughs> started putting on makeup. <laughs> and, yeah, things changed a bit. Mm. I think it's so funny what you think as a teenager of how it all kind of works. Like you're yeah. so limited on your like thoughts and like what you think other yeah. people are thinking. Yeah, and, exactly. And you are definitely more conscious about what people think about you. I just remember being in school and constantly being on guard about like, yeah, I don't know. And I was, and I remember I had all my girlfriends at the time that, you know, they were like kissing boys and they were doing so much like things, like so many things with boys and I just wasn't at that stage yet. <laughs> I don't know if I was a late bloomer or what, but. Do you reckon that you caught like, so when you did leave school, when you did start dating dudes, did you feel like you had to play catch up or did it, or did it kind of go smooth? Um, what do you mean? Like after school? Yeah, like did you feel like you were, when you were, did start getting into dudes, did you feel, not getting into dudes, <laughs> but, when you did, but when you did start like dating or whatever, did yeah. you feel like you were behind the eight ball? Yeah, yeah, because you know. That's when, interesting. Yeah, because when I started, girls were already on third base and stuff, you know, I still yeah, had a bit yeah. on first base now. <laughs> but yeah, I felt like I had to catch up and 
I just didn't have the same experience yet. So, and I think that made me more frigid because the guys at that time, you know, they've already done stuff with girls. And and it builds it up in your mind to be bigger than it is. Because I was really. I remember that for sure. Yeah. Like, I remember, you know, how you used to talk on your family phone. Like, I could talk to hours for a guy that I liked. Like, we could talk for hours after school. But if I saw him in person and my eyes were down, (laughs) so straight past. I was exactly the same. I could talk for hours. And like MSN and shit. Yeah. (laughs) that I remember and texting on that Nokia phone <laughs> I never I never really text much like I never was like a big texting person but I yeah. used to be on MSN all the yeah, time MSN. but I was like a computer nerd as well mm-hmm. so I used to like make fucking music and like mm-hmm. program LimeWire yeah yeah, like, yeah a lot of LimeWire yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's it's weird like and especially now like because as I'm starting to get older to the point where it's like you want to get married you want to have kids you want to like sort of do all that stuff it's like relationship becomes like a different thing Mm -hmm. so i feel like you have like stages of like what your interaction with the opposite sex is Mm -hmm. and it's like you'd sort of think as you you think that it's like the same thing and it's you're just trying to figure it out but it's almost like that where we have these different stages of interactions with the opposite sex or what with whatever sex you're into Mm -hmm. and it's like it's not this one thing that you're still trying to figure it out as a kid, but it's like you're getting it wrong. It's like, well, it's like that's that style of relationship. That's all you're able to have yeah. at this age. And then mm. you sort of, as you get on and you want different things, it's like it. it's constantly like changing. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems it's weird to think that there's two perspectives of like, what men want or see as a relationship and then what women want it feels so conflicting a lot of times too mm-hmm, so yeah. it's like really it's it's weird it's to like to make, yeah it is, <laughs> it is like a weird thing eh, that you yeah. have to like figure out and there's really no like guidebook for it right no there no. isn't and i think the only thing you can do is like try and take the lesson from each thing because yeah. i think that's where people go wrong is that they have an experience in a relationship and then they repeat it in the next one mm. rather than like this Learning happened from it. i really liked it or i really didn't like it and i'm gonna try and like whether it's something that i need to do or like i need to maybe date someone who doesn't you know what i mean like really evolving with it rather than people repeating that same cycle well i feel like that's that's something i've been thinking a little bit about Mm -hmm. lately i feel like the mistakes that i made in relationships is like i sort of was blaming my ex-partners for like the same thing but when you really look at it and you mature it's like no you did the same thing yeah yeah and when you get angry at a person in your relationship i think a lot of times you're just angry at yourself yeah because so many things are avoidable but it's like you made that mistake over and over and it's like you get angry at yourself because you're like well i fucking could have avoided this argument yeah Yeah. but now we're arguing so i'm mad at that person and it's like it's really hard to break that cycle of like doing fucked up shit yourself that yeah. then is what causes those problems yeah and yeah. it's easy to blame someone else but you know you go on that journey of like self-growth and you realize that a lot of things in life are all because of you you know yeah. like you got to take responsibility for what you did but a lot of people don't find that you know it's because they go back to that you know blaming that person for what happened in the relationship rather than looking within and i feel like that's just a journey that we're all going on and yeah yeah and we're all going through and i don't and know it's yeah, some people either evolve with it or they continue blaming and they keep yeah. attracting the same type of relationships or they keep showing up the same way. A lot of people as well like want this perfect relationship. They want all of these different qualities, but they don't embody them themselves. Yeah. And I had this experience yeah. myself. Like, you know, I met this guy. I thought he had like all of this amazing and it turned out it wasn't. But 
all the things that I wanted, I wasn't showing up like that myself. And I was like, Quincy, you actually, to find someone like that, you need to, yeah. do you know what I mean? So what kind of stuff would you think? Like, well, just <laughs> like a whole heap of things, but just the way, like, like just being a good person and yeah, like all of the self-development stuff that he did and like the success that I wanted in my own business, which I wasn't at that point yet. Like I wanted that in them and like just all the different qualities I thought they, you know, how they and how they were wishy-washy sometimes yeah that's the massive one my ex-boyfriend was so wishy-washy and i was like with what like just like he would tell me one thing and you'd do another he's Uh. just flaking and like he just was never true to his word and i was the wishy-washiest person in the world like Uh. uh, i was just so lex i used to just say i was carefree but no it's bullshit like i just didn't show up how i needed to show up and and then she was wondering why she wasn't attracting that into her life like why do i because she wasn't embodying oh wishy-washy and it's because I was wishy-washy and until I understood that and I was like owned that and now it's something that I like pride myself on it's like you know I if I say I'm going to do something I do it I'm very like structured more so than I've ever been in my life with especially now that we've got a business it has to be like that but I've never been like that before and I thought it was okay and I can't believe that it took me 32 years to like get that like but you know what some people never realize that so one million percent (laughs) like one million percent people can go through their entire lives blaming other people for the things that happen to them and it's fucking bullshit yeah yeah 100% so I think as long as you can look back at yourself and go that's why I'm attracting that because that's who I am and then now that I have changed that, it's I already notice it in the the men that I attract. They're very much men of their word, or like you know what I mean. Like that yeah. quality has changed, and it's just from me. And you know, it's such a cliche when people say you got to love yourself before you can love someone else. But it's so <laughs> true. No, like it's true. a cliche for a reason. And until you can accept everything about you and um, enjoy being in your own skin and doing uh, being by yourself and you know all that kind of stuff, you can't really get into a relationship with someone until you love yourself yeah. and until you can enjoy being on your own. And you know, like your response for your own happiness and you can't ever expect someone else to to take on that burden like and a they lot of add people, to it they have to add to it exactly but you have to be happy yeah on your own first yeah. and yeah i feel like that's something that we learn as we go but a lot of that's why the blame game happens because you know they're blaming someone else for not making them happy but they're not happy yeah. themselves and that's their own fault yeah i i totally agree and i think that um a lot of times there's like a i see this a lot with uh not so much my friends that I'm around now. I think you slowly sort of work more towards like the people. That you, I guess like the five people you hang around with are like the people that are sort of mm-hmm. most like you. Mm-hmm. But I'd see people where it's like I used to go mountain bike riding a lot and my mate's wife would just fucking be over it every time. And I couldn't understand it because I've always been a very selfish person with my own like what I do. Mm-hmm. Like I'll surf when I want to surf. I'll Like I do jujitsu. So I train as much as I can. And like to some people, it's like that selfish. Well, it's like, but in my eyes, I'm like, well, I need to do this. Mm-hmm. Like I have to do this for me to even have anything to give anybody else. Mm-hmm. And it's like you'd sort of hear the term like you got to fill up your own cup before you can fill fill up somebody else's. Yeah, hundred percent. And I told like I'm so unapologetically into that type of living mm-hmm. because like I've know that when I've lived a different way, it just hasn't worked out. Yeah, and you'd I'd see this my friend and he'd want a mountain bike and that was his thing that filled up his cup and it became like this power struggle between his wife and him getting to ride his bike and it was the same with like all the other shit he wanted to do Mm -hmm. i'm just like i don't fucking get it like why is it 
becoming like it's you versus this thing that he's trying to do and i think it comes down to like this attention thing Mm -hmm. where it's like and it's both ways it's like this example's a girl obviously because it's he's my friend but guys can do this shit as well Mm -hmm. but it's like they just want the other person's attention so bad that it's worth having a fight over something yeah because it might be negative attention but negative attention is better than no attention at all and you know what if that's something that they're seeking then that means there's something lacking exactly in the relationship so quincy and i we used to have a book club (laughs) and we read this book i don't know if you've heard of it it's called like the five languages of love i haven't read it but i've I've like looked it and yeah the gist of it yeah Yeah. and you know everyone wants to be loved a different way language uh quality time and mine's touch so if I was to love Jane, it would be to spend time with her, quality time. Yeah. But because I love touch, most of the time it's natural for me to touch. Yeah, Do you know yeah, what I mean? And most yeah. people love other people how they like to be loved. Exactly. Which yeah. is why we miscommunicate it. So he obviously wasn't... That's f- a big thing that I do wrong. Yeah, yeah. like he <laughs> yeah. needs to work out what her love language... Because it's such a small thing. Like as soon as yeah. you tap into what your partner's love language is and then you just make a conscious every day to make sure their tank is filled yeah. the way that they like it to be filled, then you're not going to have a problem because they don't need to seek they out don't that, need attention. that attention yeah. yeah so he can go off and do whatever he wants because her tank she's is filled satisfied. and she's yeah she's satisfied and she's happy and she feels loved. um and you know with relationships some people say you know like i don't want to sacrifice this or change this about me because that's not who i am but i mean with a relationship if you love someone then you want to sacrifice and you want to make them happy yeah. so, to a certain degree right so loving them in the way that they don't respond or they don't perceive as love is not you know it's actually neglect and um we had a friend of ours who her partner's love language was words of affirmation and he just wanted to be told that you know he was handsome and you know he was a good person all that kind of stuff and she's like that's not who i am and i'm not going to do that i'm not going to jam up like that but that's not like that big of a deal yeah, yeah that's what we thought we thought it takes but if you no actually effort. love a person like it should be yeah. easy to just be like geez you look good today you know yeah, you should exactly. want to tell them that anyway it's like yeah. you know you really get me going so she that. was purposely withholding that from the relationship that's and weird isn't it yeah and <laughs> and then the love dies yeah but what's the what's the saying about like everything in life is about um uh sex and power except the oh, fuck i'm butchering that thing but it's ba- basically it's like it's like a power struggle mm-hmm. which is sort of a weird thing to think of in a relationship like one person sort of does hold the power in every relationship right yeah but it's like you have to if you're that person you have to be super respectful that mm. you are that that you do have that in a relationship if that makes sense yeah mm-hmm. but yeah that that whole love language thing like because th- from mine mine is i think from what i remember and just from knowing myself <laughs> i think it's acts of service yeah okay. a, a lot, lot of guys, guys. <laughs> yeah. acts of service yeah. and but yeah that's that's true way eh? mm-hmm. and like but i grew up like my mum is like the most mothering nurturing mm-hmm. per- probably to a fault sometimes but <laughs> my mum's the same with my brother <laughs> yeah but it's like a um I appreciated that so much and I saw the way that she looked after my dad Mm -hmm. and it's like you know you can say whatever about like roles and you know it's not up to a woman to do that or whatever but it's like I don't I feel like if if so many guys their like love language is acts of service then it's like it's got to be something within us you know what I mean like that it's got to come from the back in the day of like the caveman sort of era where it's like you need to go out and hunt and provide and do those things you had to have someone you could trust at home not that not saying a woman should stay at home but like there was just a certain level of like 
that was the person that you could count on to like do the things that had to be done while you were doing other things that had to be done. Yeah. So I wonder if there is like some kind of like really deep biological thing to where that is what males need. And you'd, you'd uh, expect then that the, on the female side of the equation, it's like if women are going to sacrifice to provide acts of service to love you, then there would be different requirements for a man yeah. then to loop around and then show love to a, a woman. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of guys struggle because you go like, all right, well, I like acts of service mm-hmm. and I'm getting these acts of service because I'm going out and quote unquote providing. So it's like, isn't that just an act of service enough? So I think that's where yeah. a lot of the problem comes with like the male psyche when it comes to women. It's And that's like you said, you can't just expect that the way that you want love is the way that yeah. you yeah. Well, can I give think, it back sort of thing. Yeah, I think with you, like you said that that was the way that your mum treated you and that's what you saw growing up. And so that was the first woman you ever loved and that's yeah. what you perceive as love. So that's why when a woman does that for you, you take that as nurturing and caring. Yeah. And that's because that's how your mum loved you. So I think it can go deeper to the point where you were saying, you know, the caveman and the, the hunter-gatherer and, you know, that kind of stuff. The woman cooks and the man goes and hunts and stuff like that. But I also think it comes down to it's a cultural thing how you were loved and yeah. how you were nurtured. Um, you know, like nurture versus nature kind of thing. Yeah. And because um, I know a guy whose uh, love language is quality time, but his mom was a businesswoman. She was away all and the she time. Never, yeah, she was. Yeah. So he t- uh, he um, he loves quality time because she was never around and he was just craving that constantly. So he. And when I don't she know, was there, he she got was there. that love, yeah. so that's when yeah. he felt it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I think it, it does go deeper than just the relationship you have with your mother, but I also think that that's the, the first woman you love, so that's how you perceive love. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Though. And I think as well, not just, like, making someone dinner or whatever, but for acts of service is knowing your partner and there's little things that they like and just going out of your way to do, like, something... The, like, yeah. the little do you know things, what I mean like yeah. oh she knows that I like I don't know my ice cream like I don't know like yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. like silly stuff not just like oh every day she's gonna do that for me well, but what they, they say love is in the details mm-hmm. it's so it's small. like that is you're, you're right yeah. you notice it when they they do stuff for you that's specific just for you it's not just your everyday stuff it's like oh she always I'm really tired or she did this for me because she yeah. knows I don't know I think it's more that kind of stuff you yeah. feel and I don't think that there's a I don't think women should be like, oh, I don't want to do this because I'm not the typical housewife or whatever. But I think loving your men how he wants to be loved is such a great thing. And yeah. I think doing stuff for them is... Because I think it feels good. It feels really going good. Going both ways. Yeah. And like I saw that growing up because my mum is from Thailand and, you know, the, the way that they raise their daughters there is you know really different you know my mum raised me how to cook and clean at a very young age and how to take care of the household and how to take care of her men because that's how she was raised and that's just a big thing in Thai culture I think that's why a lot of guys go over to Thailand (laughs) (laughs) but they go get a Thai wife but that's because they know how to take care of their men you know Um, whereas my dad he was a businessman so he taught me how to be independent and you know take care of business and stuff like that so I got to like I got to see both sides but we should all aim to live in that with that duality i think yeah because like there's a guy aubrey marcus i don't know if you've heard of him but he's he's kind of a bit off the deep end these days but when he first started like his whole (laughs) stuff like he'd talk about being the warrior poet Mm -hmm. and like that's something that i love now is like i think that you know with what i like i literally will train every day like fighting people it's super aggressive it's very like the goal is to make that other person submit 
mm-hmm. and it's like that's one side but then there's there's also like as far on that side as you go with like aggression and being like a warrior mm-hmm. you need to balance that out with yeah. the softest side that you can so if you're this hyper aggressive full alpha male sort of dude i think that if you just live on that one side of the spectrum and there's no duality to your personality then you're going to run into problems that that are associated with that and i think that people should aim to be as far on the left as they are on the right with life so like with the way that you were raised saying that like you're going to learn how to cook and clean and look after your men provide for your family then you should also learn on the exact same end or the exact opposite end of the spectrum to how to be independent mm-hmm. to how to not rely on somebody else and to look after your own interest you know what i mean like yeah. and i think that that's like that's to where with me i'm like i like to think i'm selfish in that respect yeah like i do i want to i want to be the warrior and i want to be the poet and i think it's a really interesting concept because i just think in life if you look at everything like wherever there's light there's dark mm-hmm. and you, you have to know that yeah if you're you know where as a people we're capable of anger we're capable of love mm-hmm. like you have to be across like all of the different spectrums and i think maybe like the problem i see with mate like some of my friends that are single guys that are like into you know trying to get girlfriends and blah 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 yeah it's like you're just too one thing like mm. you you know yeah. you're so everything that you're doing is like super one-sided mm-hmm. and it's hard to exist as a balanced person when you're like super one-sided yeah, yeah i agree and there's um you've heard about the 12 universal laws right the the oh. law of attraction you've heard of oh yeah i've heard of it I yeah, haven't yeah. so there's like other ones and what was it the law of um it was like the feminine and masculine energy like everyone has feminine and masculine yeah, energy yeah. with oh, i have a lot of feminine energy apparently <laughs> <laughs> based on YouTube. well apparently we have a lot of masculine energy yeah, yeah and that's something that we worked on but Be- just having a balance of that you know that's what the universe talks about like balancing that out because everyone's got it and mm. you just got to find you can tap into both of them it yeah. doesn't make you you know if you're a man to to tap into that feminine side and understand yeah. that about yourself isn't like a bad thing mm. i think that and also we we thought about it from our perspective like we're <laughs> very much like go and if we want to do something we just go and do it like yeah. we just like to get stuff done we're very independent we we have that kind of masculine drive and we wondered why we attract guys that Sometimes we feel in, like guys are intimidated yeah. by us. Yeah. I was going to say, like, is that like a thing to where you think you... Yeah, and yeah. it's not like... Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. just what we thought. And we were like, you know, maybe we need to like be a little Tap bit Tap more into the feminine side. Yeah, like we are girls and that's cool to... Like it's not weak, not in our minds that we thought it was weak, yeah. but it's not, you know, it's but okay to be that. I think that speaks to that like whole power thing mm-hmm. that people talk about in relationships. So for like a guy to come along and be... To like have the power in a relationship if you're a very like alpha male type chick even just energy wise like you're both girly in terms of the way that you look and dress and stuff like that yeah but it's like there's an alpha energy so it's like to then be more dominant than that (laughs) because like every because really like everybody that's what they say like Mm -hmm. in relationships it's about power and Mm. like both people essentially in every relationship think they hold the power yeah really Mm. like no one's gonna honestly admit that like mm, yeah oh no yeah he's the one that has the power in the relationship like that's <laughs> yeah. the oldest fucking yeah you know that's you know what i mean but like essentially i think that's when people enter into a relationship there there is like a a certain thing of like you you're like yeah i'm like i'm the i'm the dude so i feel like the, the more alpha energy a chick puts out it's like to be a guy that's not going to be intimidated by that you've actually got to be living a pretty 
Mm, yeah. Pretty gnarly sort of existence to like feel like you you are the one with the power, even if maybe you are. Yeah. Maybe you yeah. Aren't. Or and being comfortable having a woman that is powerful also and like letting her be great and like, you know what I mean? Like letting her flourish and do whatever and being so comfortable within yourself and what you've got going yeah. on that it just adds to you. It's not like she's dimming my shine a little bit. It's like, look at us shine no, together. We can shine together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that's, um, yeah, like I guess what you just said about that whole, um, it like adding to a lot yeah. of people it seems like it's a competition in, in a lot of ways sometimes, yeah. right? And yeah jane's been in a relationship with someone who is a professional athlete mm-hmm. that just little things i think he slowly like not put you down but like tried to make you not feel because he was intimidated by the fact that you you know you're australian you're a football yeah. player you got attention and and instead of him being like so proud like this is my girlfriend yeah. it was kind of like a I'm gonna whenever he got he kind of subtly would put me down or make me feel less desirable you know so other people wouldn't desire me or you know or make her feel more shy so that she wouldn't go out there and I don't know be but like you said before it's like the people that are they've got to be secure in themselves yeah and he wasn't yeah 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 and that that's just like what I guess circling back like what we said at the start is like if you're not happy with yourself like you can't love somebody else if you can't love yourself yeah yeah Mm. exactly um, should we talk about football? Yeah, I was just about to <laughs> yeah. say, you have two girls come on and then we're going to have this whole relationship podcast. People will be like, boring. <laughs> no, well, I think I was thinking about, I'm like, maybe we, because we never really talk about that shit. I'm like, maybe there's some dudes out there that just like can't figure the fucking chicks out. Maybe it'll, <laughs> maybe that helps them out. And then maybe dudes want to hear about football. I want to watch your little highlights clip for a sec. Okay, okay let's watch it. Because um, I'm a big football fan, as we know. I don't think I've ever watched a full game of uh, LFL. Oh, okay. (laughs) Bit of Travis Scott. I'm going to have to turn this down. So what was the field that you guys played on? Was it the same size or was it a a smaller field? No, it was 50 by 30 and it was arena. So we didn't have a sideline. We had the barriers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's the ruling around the barriers? Um, if you hit the barriers, but without getting hit by someone, you're still in bounds. But if someone hits you out, then you're out of bounds. Yeah, right. And then how does the um, shot clock work when it comes... Or like, sorry, the game clock the game work clock. with being out of bounds? Um, okay, so our games, they it was a running clock up until the last two minutes of each quarter. Oh, right. Yeah. And then how would the out of bounds work in that last two minutes? Uh, it would stop the clock. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool, so in the same same sort of way. I feel like that could be something that the NFL should just implement in general, but like what we were saying before, it's like they just it's not that much time, right? Yeah, yeah. Damn, you're throwing some fucking heaters right here. Mm. Yeah, we won a again, championship. Actually. We didn't uh, win a championship from not <laughs> yeah, <that's> true, <laughs> from yeah. playing around. No. So what was your sporting background with like throwing then to get um, even to get into it? Well, I was a... S- I was a main spiker in volleyball, so I think that's what, how I got my shoulder oh, strength. Oh, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, nice. Yeah, but I had to, I had to work on it. It's a very unnatural throwing motion yeah, for it women, is, huh? and it took me a long time to work on it. You know, I had the natural arm strength and accuracy, but with my technique, just to fine tune my game, I had to go out to you know quarterback camps and work on it constantly. Did you work with many, um, like any other male quarterbacks to yeah. sort of, yeah, right. Yep. So the very first male quarterback That's I worked sick. with was, um, he was actually a backup quarterback and he's from Atlanta. Yeah, right. His name's Charlie Whitehurst. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I worked with him, um, you know, That's footwork sick. and 
technique and he gave me a lot of pointers about being a leader on the team because the hardest part about being a quarterback everyone thinks is the physicality but it's actually the mentality and being a leader and being cool and calm under pressure um you know because if you freak out the rest of your offense is going to freak out so even though you know you guys aren't doing well you're not driving the ball things aren't working you have to be cool and calm and keep everyone happy and keep everyone you know believing that you can do it because if you freak out then yeah it's just not going to go well so that's probably the hardest part about being a quarterback in my opinion Mm. um and, you know, Quincy can tell you if the quarterback is frazzled, you're frazzled. And yeah. yeah, it so comes down, it trickles down yeah, it from trickles the top. Down. It's the same as your coaches on the sideline. If they're losing their shit yeah. and then it <laughs> you're trying of, to keep it calm. Like, yeah, and it's <laughs> like, okay, like, let's just keep it together. This is our game. Like, let's do what we do rather than like, it, there's so many moving parts. And yeah. obviously when you're playing, you can't see what happens. Like I'm on the line, I'm Jane's like um, left tight end. So, so you've like, seen the movie Blindside, right? No. Michael Orr, Blindside, no? No. Oh, okay. Oh. It's a famous one. Well, she's... Um, so the blind it's famous. You should have seen <laughs> it. Yeah, you should have. You really should have blindside. <laughs> The blindside tackle is the is the guy on the quarterback's blindside. Yep. So, you know, I'm a right-handed quarterback, so my left, I can't see my left. Oh, yeah, yeah, So it's yeah, the yeah. most trusted yeah. position on the field because um, she's literally got my back. Yeah. Um, and that's Quincy's position. So it's ironic that we were best friends. She's got my back on and off the field. <laughs> yeah, that's but cool. But no, huh? it was really good because she genuinely loves me and she will protect me and go out of her way to do that. Because you, you do hear about guys that like don't like the quarterbacks and then, yeah, they, and then they, they just don't, they don't want to play for the quarterback because yeah. like essentially you've got to put your body on the line to protect her. Mm-hmm. And then if there isn't that respect, then you do hear about teams like running into those problems, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, well, the first year we're in Chicago, Quincy played on the right side. So when we're in LA, she played on my left. Um, and then we went to Chicago that first year, they moved her to the right side. They only had the right slot available. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, and the girl on the left, I didn't really know her. She didn't know me. Um, you know, they'd changed quarterbacks a couple of times and we didn't have like a great relationship. So. I didn't get protected quite well. (laughs) Got taken And I think as well, like, we had this conversation with our coach. Like, my coach, he – when I was playing, like, I – my technique wasn't always perfect, but I would get the job done. And my job was to make sure no one came through on that side. And he would be like, Quincy, your technique wasn't good. Her footwork wasn't right. Yeah, like, he would pick me up on something like that. And then the girl on the right side, he was like, oh, perfect technique. But she would let the person through. She's, like, letting them through. He lost sight of the goal. I'm like, okay, so maybe my footwork wasn't right, but I did the job. And I was, like, super that was my thing. Like, no one's coming through. Whereas the other girl was like, well, my technique is good. But, like, you're not doing the job yeah so i don't know there's like a catch 22 and i guess over time yeah but then the year that we won the championship they moved quincy back to the left and i was protected on the left and then that's got to give you more confidence to like stand up and like stay in the pocket and and actually actually stay in the pocket yeah Yeah, exactly um whereas the first year i was always kind of worried so i'd always kind of look back and my eyes went downfield on the receivers where they should be just because you know i was worried about my blind side so having quincy there really made me feel more calm and just the year that we had where we went undefeated and i feel like all the moving parts just were just were pieced together and everything was right that year Mm. Um, whereas our first year there there were a lot of things you know we were new to the system i had to learn a new offense yeah and i was still kind of learning it i was um you know the relationship i had with the oc the offensive coordinator we weren't super tight and usually when you run an offense you 
play to the strengths of your quarterback. Yeah. But he was using an offense that was with the quarterback prior to me. Yeah. Um, and we had different strengths. So I wasn't able to play my game. And, and like, how would you describe your style of play as a quarterback? Um, like, what would you Well, I'm a ru- I'm a running quarterback. So I'm not like Tom Brady, the traditional pocket yeah. passer. I'm more like um, Cam Newton or Russell Wilson. Yeah, or Russell Deshaun Wilson is Watson. a really good example of Yeah, that. yeah. You know, running quarterback. And that's kind of where I get my confidence from. You know, just run a couple of times, get hit, and then I'm not so nervous. You yeah. know, the nerves kind of shake and then I can really settle into the position. Um, whereas they wanted that first year, they wanted it to be a passing offense, you know, like pass first kind of offense and which was good. And I was still working on my passing game, getting to know new receivers. Everyone talks about the chemistry between receivers yeah. and a quarterback. And I was still getting to know them. You know, I didn't know them quite well. I didn't know the offensive playbook. I was learning the their route system. What they called the routes were completely different. You know, it was opposite to what I'm used to. Mm. So that first year I was still kind of getting used to it and, yeah, getting to know it, I wasn't able to run as much. And yeah, I didn't feel as confident in my game that first year I was in Chicago. And then also I had a girl that I didn't trust on my blind side. So there were like a couple of moving factors. And we went through that year and we lost in the playoff game in the Eastern Conference Finals to Atlanta, who's our rival. And that was the first time, I think in four years that the Chicago Bliss hadn't been to the Legends Cup. And, you know, it was on my shoulders. Oh, so maybe that was why. It was really- Well, I'm not blaming any of that. I'm saying like for me- No, but for her, like the, the owners or whatever, like maybe- that was like their post to stand on you know like oh there it is you didn't make it to the final <laughs> yeah yeah i no, mean that definitely. definitely didn't help the cause but no. there was so many different factors when you're new to a team as well like the second year like if the coaches are running something and it's not working and you're out there jane then had the confidence to she knows how to call it like do you know what i mean yeah. whereas they didn't give me she didn't have that in the first year because we lost by one touchdown and we could have done some different things to like make it but if she had had that confidence and relationship with them she could have just taken over and been like what they're calling isn't working i could just i can see that this is open like once you go on this route or whatever but that's just i mean that's his learning process and then the second year you know we jowled more there was some changes everyone showed up differently and Mm -hmm. like it worked and that's it was a wake-up call that year that we lost in the playoff game because um Uh, everyone talks about like the championship hangover the year before we came they won the championship so the next year they were more lackadaisical and they didn't take things seriously because they're like oh you know what our team is amazing we're just going to go through and win it all again um and they had a really naturally gifted team yeah yeah. which sometimes is a bit of a hindrance yeah Yeah. because in chicago you know our team was predominantly african-american girls there was like what three or four white white girls girls. and and you know they're so athletically gifted so you know we had the fastest we had the strongest um and i just think that the the attendance at practice and things like that like people showing up learning the playbook like if you don't know your plays on game day like what the hell are you doing out here i think too like one of the things with the nfl that is really hard is that so many of those players come from such a low socioeconomic background Mm -hmm. and it's like you see it in the nfl like a guy like marshawn lynch it's like he's still connected to the hood yeah like massively (laughs) connected to the hood Mm -hmm. and it's like you get all this money you get all this fame and then you've got all these people that you're trying to look after Mm. and it's like there's so many distractions because the people that they're connected to, like if I play professional football, like let's just say tomorrow I make the PGA tour, mm-hmm. I can just do play golf. Yep. I don't have to worry about my brother getting shot. I don't have to worry about my sister getting shot. I don't have to worry about my dad losing his job. I don't yep. have to worry about any of that shit. Like I'm good. My mm-hmm. family's good. I could just go and play golf. Mm-hmm. But like for so many people, and I think that that's like, it's like a weird expectation that from the outside in people have 
unless you're in that situation is like oh he's just a professional athlete like what else has he got to worry about but so many of those guys yeah. are still so connected mm-hmm. to that low socioeconomic uh area yeah and their family is still in it it's like it's a big ask to then expect them to just like leave yeah and like even um watching last chance you Oh, have you you've, yeah, you know you've seen yeah you, you see those guys like going through juco and they've got so much potential yeah and it's like like that isaiah kids in, in jail for murder and oh, it's like shit, we didn't know that oh, i really? didn't know that either oh yeah so you remember isaiah and his yeah. brother like they were like super talented yeah 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 yep. they got in a car with two dudes from where they grew up and then the car pulled over and then they robbed a dude and like so the two brothers they said they didn't but they was in the car with this guy that went and murdered a dude and robbed him from, like, robbed the guy. Oh, wow. And then they fled, so they're in jail. And that dude's, like, that guy was one of the best receivers that talent-wise that they said that they'd ever seen. Yeah, yeah. And it's, like, they're just, they're so connected. Like, the, the roots run so deep. And even in the NFL, it's, like, I think it's a good thing that they don't make so much money first few years out of college. Yeah. But it's, like if you ain't making that much money and you've got all these people that have like are depending on you it's like it's it's hard to even break out of that system eh? yeah and a lot of the times when someone makes into the nfl their families think they're making so much money but they don't realize that they go into the highest tax bracket in the u.s which is about 40 percent so if they're making three million dollars they're getting close to half of that taxed and then, and then again, you've got your agents, managers, yeah, all of your different... Yeah, the fees and everything that comes out of it, they only get paid during the 16 weeks that they're playing football. Yeah. So they have to make that last the rest of the year, like with all their rent and, you know, the taking care of their family and stuff like that. The next year isn't guaranteed. Um, so they don't want to be blowing that money. But, you know, when they get into the league and their family is pressuring them and they have all this stuff, you know, they feel inclined to help them. And, you know, they're in a better position than they were before. But still, they're not in a position where they can be handing out money. You know, they're not making decent money until their second contract yeah um so yeah i get that it's really tough for athletes going in and i've spoken to a couple guys about it and that's what they say like you know their their families don't actually understand the finance around it and how hard it is and yeah yeah, you see nine million dollars you're like oh fuck nine million dollars that's a lot of money but then it's like well it's nine million which is then going to be, four and a half, you know, like yeah four and a half and then you've got a manager's commission and that agent takes Mm. 10 or 15 percent on the 9 million yeah which you're getting the tax on yeah so then that's nearly a million dollars in out of your 4.5 so it's like yeah it's really not and i don't think the education's there around that stuff really yeah Yeah, it's not and that general like creating generational wealth and actually setting yourself up for life after sport that's something that we're really passionate about and that's something that we work with athletes about is getting that education on not just um finances but also how you can create a passive income stream so you don't have to go back to where you started because a lot of people do they go right to the top and then they end up exactly where they started it has like mike tyson lost 300 million dollars like yeah. that's how much he spent over it's his career basically had nothing yeah. after he'd retired greatest boxer ever it's so easy to get caught up in the lifestyle lost you in know, the source it's just <laughs> i just i feel like it would be hard work to spend it i mean i could do it but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what i mean like that's hard work to like actually burn through that much money and like we talk about this all the time athletes love to spend money on material things liabilities that don't actually make them money which is cool like you work so hard your entire life to you get to have the some league fun. yeah you of course it. and i I'm all about the fun. <laughs> but you also have to balance it out with investing in assets that are make, is making you residual income. You know what I mean? So that yeah. you have things coming in in the background that you don't have to worry about 
whatever investments that you get into, but as long as you balance it out with the material things, don't just go blow all of your money on things that are yeah. li- mm. like that is costing you money rather than making you money. Yeah. So I think just having a good balance and just understanding and learning early about financial education and you know getting into that. Whereas a lot of guys think it think that income is going to last forever and it doesn't. It stops one day and they're just like, whoa, like yeah. But you think like you got to wonder how much the media plays into that as well because it's like who are the dudes that we report on mm. it's like the floyd mayweathers and yeah. then you know like the odell beckhams and it's like it's these flashy dudes and yeah. it's like a way to uh it's like expensive to make a brand in the nfl as yeah. a player because it's like you've got it's keep it's so keeping up with the joneses it's chains it's diamonds it's watches Private it's cars jets. it's yeah. jets it's like there's a lifestyle and it's like that's what people follow mm-hmm. you know what i mean like people want it because that's what's aspirational it's like you get in the league and then you get tv shows like ballers and yeah yeah so it's like there there has to be like pressure for an athlete and not even pressure but it's like it sort of makes sense to ball out in a way because it's like money makes money kind of but it, it's such a risk that's a risky way mm. like you're risking your fortune it's like yeah. you're, you're trying to spend your fortune to try and make a fortune and it's like eesh if you got a fortune maybe just keep your fortune right yeah yeah well look at people who have real money like um the C- the owner of facebook uh what is his name mark zuckerberg zuckerberg, zuckerberg yeah. yeah and then the owner of amazon and those guys have real wealth like they're not walking around with huge chains and rolexes on like no. you know they're because they have real money they don't need to show it off they're like i'm rich i don't care what people think you know like because i have it in the bank so i think you know showing it off is one thing but when if you know you're rich then you don't really need to yeah show it off and i think i can't remember which rapper it was like a quote i saw on instagram and he was like you know it's I used probably to s- j cole <laughs> <laughs> it was like i used to spend so much money on chains and stuff like that but then i was in a room with all these billionaires and not one of them had a single chain or gold watch on and stuff yeah. like he's like that made me think about real money and mm. you know just it's just different like the, yeah. the mentality i think it's different for everyone and everyone's got to choose it i think if you're an athlete and you've got a platform where you can get because the private jet companies will let you fly for free if you're an athlete like yeah. do you know what i mean so there's smart you ways around smart, it you yeah. could be yeah. really bougie but on someone else's dime because 100%. people want to be around you people want to pay for you to come to events poker nights like there's so many ways for athletes to make yeah. money outside of being an athlete which is something that we're We've also sourced. like yeah. yeah like we do a lot of that for athletes because have these relationships have these incomes coming in outside of sports so then you can keep your sport money and then you can use this money as your flashy money or yeah. you know you can get these really yeah. cool deals with companies that will last outside of sport so like i think that there's a way like with jane and i like people probably looked at instagram like they're living the dream obviously we were struggling female athletes but we got to go to some really incredible places and do some incredible things meet incredible people and yeah. wear really nice clothes and things like that because we utilize the platform yeah and as male athletes well all athletes they yeah. have the same opportunity the girls that actually use that use their voice use their you know interact with their fans there's money to be made everywhere if you know how to yeah. do it yeah and a, a guy that i knew in the nfl he was playing for the patriots at the time chandler jones i think he's with yeah. the cardinals now yeah. i'm not sure but he told me that his salary from the nfl he puts away he doesn't spend any of it the only money he spends is from autograph signings he makes really? twenty five thousand dollars like for two hours autograph signing or something like that and he just does a couple of those a week and he's like yeah i just live off of that my nfl salary goes away saves it they put it he puts it in an account with a high interest rate so it's like making money in there and um yeah and he was like you just got to be smart about it that's the thing is like if you're making millions and millions of dollars like you can live off interest you can live (laughs) off interest you don't need to ball out and like you can make even you know smart investments where it's like you're buying 
houses out of like different funds and there's mm. like there is so mm-hmm. many yeah and buying duplexes living in one and all your tenants are paying your mortgages on your whole yeah. properties and there's so many different ways that you can make it work but I think people obviously also just get stuck into like oh well I'm going to buy my mama house and I'm going to buy this flash house and I'm going to buy 10 cars and then what well, I have no cash flow yeah yeah it's crazy um that that Chandler Jones his brother is like the best John Jones yeah John yeah. like best mm-hmm. fighter of all time mm. and he's like fucking train wreck with like stuff it's like so crazy to see the both the other brothers in the nfl seem like they just keep it so together yeah and it's like he's just this wild man that's off like (laughs) carrying on a so it's it's all i always wondered like how that sort of came about with if you've got one like two of the brothers that are just so put together yeah and then he's just a wild man well they're from well i think they're from small town New York. They all went to Syracuse, um, which we've we've driven through Syracuse when we went to Canada. And, um, you know, their family, their parents are still together. They have a very nice yeah. family. And Chandler is very humble, very quiet kind of guy. And John's like just the other end of the spectrum, yeah. you know. So I don't know where that came from. Maybe just the lifestyle being in the UFC, being in Las Vegas. Probably the fact too that like to do that shit, like if you're the bet like they say he's like the baddest dude in the world yeah like you've just got to be a gnarly dude Mm, to even do that job so it's probably like that's just that was just him like he's just a wild wild horse yeah yeah some horses can't be broken and also i think as well in every family like we're not yeah you know of all of my siblings like my siblings probably look at me and be like quincy you're such you're crazy like why do you live (laughs) the life that you do whereas you know my older sister you know got married had children you know very I guess traditional, traditional, traditional life yeah. and like she probably looks at me thinking like you're crazy and for me I'm like I could go so much crazier than this yeah. tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so like I, everyone's different I yeah think. when did you go like did you come up with this sort of athletes for athletes plan like while you were playing or was it always was it always something that you guys were conscious of because like you both extremely switched on even like from talking at coffee and like the different things that you've got going on you get sponsorship for and funding and stuff like that is it something that you was like a decision that you made playing or um i think what we went through so you, you know we told you we didn't get paid playing so we struggled you had to hustle yeah, yeah. we had to hustle and we learned how to hustle we learned how to get things done and we just you know figured if we want it done we have to do it ourselves we didn't come up with athletes for athletes while we were playing but we knew we wanted something bigger and better we, we knew we wanted to be successful business women we wanted to travel and like keep having that lifestyle of you know we were spending six months or so in the states and then six months back home and we we had so much freedom even though we were limited on finances we were free yeah. and and we it, didn't we want that so to happy. end yeah yeah so we knew like after sport it had to be something that allowed us freedom yeah we didn't know what it was so it took us about nine months to figure it out you know we were lost and we had no direction and we 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 were looking in the online space like we knew that's where it was like the internet's the way of the future social media marketing is huge and it's not going anywhere um if anything it's just getting bigger so it's a great time to like really launch into it yeah and then we have a business mentor she's a female online entrepreneur she's amazing and she kind of said to us and sat us down and said you guys have this platform you have have this momentum coming off of your championship win and you know like you have a story that resonates with so many other people she's like why are you trying to go out and 
help everyone which helps no one why don't you just help your people like mm. she really got helped us get clear like we're so grateful and that's kind of how we came up with athletes for athletes because we know it's such a hard time for athletes mm. to transition out of sport just because you go from that team environment where you have your teammates your coaches trainers like you have all these Managers. people around you and yeah. wanting you to be successful like all, all those people in that room want you to be successful so you can go out there and play and make the money, right? So that's why we wanted to create the same kind of team environment, but for athletes turning into entrepreneurs where they can all support each other and elevate together. And, you know, it's just, a, it's still in a game, but it's a different game. Yeah. And like, we're still a team. Like we're all ex-athletes. Everyone that we work with is either a current athlete or an ex-athlete and you still get to vibe with your people. So like, this is something that we love. Like we talk to athletes every day and we could talk to them like all day and Night yeah, and, and the hardest step to take is that first step. So we just help, like you know, we get to know them a little bit better, what they want to do, what they want to achieve, and then you can, like Quincy give and I, them we, options. yeah, just give them options. We've partnered with so many different companies, and just give them all of the options, and then help them take that first step and help them feel supported as they transition out. Yeah. So that's how we came up with athletes for athletes. What was it like to quit after? Not quit. That sounds bad. Retire <laughs> after. Um, We're not quitters over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, instant backpedal. Um, what was it like to retire after having a perfect season and winning a championship? Like, what was the thinking there? Um, kind of like Michael Jordan, you know? No. <laughs> no, we just thought, like, that's the highest it gets for us. Like, literally, you can't get higher than an undefeated, perfect championship winning season in the US, biggest platform like we knew that it was the peak for us in football in football but not for us in life like we have we're very big dreamers and like we have like big goals and we knew that it got to be bigger and better like we were living just a small percentage of what we could achieve so if we could do it in football we knew we could do it in business so like I think yeah and sometimes when you hold on to something for so long it actually hinders you you know football took up so much of our time and it wasn't paying us it was like we got to be on an amazing platform and get to do like amazing things but once we won it all and you know that was kind of we're like okay I'm kind of ready to move on to the next thing and mm. see what else we can get to the top of and, and it wasn't easy because there was times we were like oh maybe we should play we again about going back and Quincy even <laughs> dabbled in boxing for a little bit really <laughs> yeah I was going to be her manager because no <laughs> we just didn't want to you don't want to let go of that athlete identity I was yeah. like oh I'll just box like that's cool like I could just become like this like famous boxer like come on I'm 32 like you need to chill <laughs> we watched um, what is it uh, million dollar baby million dollar yeah <laughs> you know I was like watching Anthony Joshua YouTube videos I was like yeah I can do this and then I was like he's been doing that since he was yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and he makes big bucks and I think to get to the, that level is even in female you're not gonna ever yeah. get to that and no it just was taking up if I do something I do it like a hundred percent so we were spending four hours in the gym and then I was at home watching YouTube and skipping and then I was like what, what am I so doing? tired I was like <laughs> why are we doing this again Did, were you doing the training she was doing the training well? with me just because like we do I everything. was just yeah it's fun <laughs> and it's um, a it's a fucking gangster move though to just like drop the mic and be like yeah we're done this is as good as this bit gets and i know that we can do this but in something else like that's fucking pretty courageous really mm. yeah and it was really hard to walk away because a lot of our teammates didn't want to they wanted to play one more season and this past season that went past was the 10th year anniversary so it was like a really big milestone yeah. um in the league and you know i was really hesitant about walking away and i you know thought about going back and but then i just you know realized that there's just better and I just have to stick to my decision and like live with it and just move on but and it's better to go out on a high like yeah. for people to remember you as like you know those really 
God, I don't know if they remember us as those cool girls. But like, you know what I mean? Like we killed it that last season and we had so much fun and there was a lot of hype and we did what we set out to do and to finish on that note and yeah. then to go into business. And our team actually lost every game this season. It was really hard to watch. Really? It was really hard to sit back and watch and just be like, oh my gosh, like it hurts. It and were hurts. they texting you like, yeah, you guys fucking suck. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for leaving. Cheers, guys. Well, the Aussie duo did help, didn't they? No. <laughs> no, but yeah, so they had a rough season. But that's what happens when you rebuild a lot of lot of veteran players. Like we yeah. all left. So many of the other veteran players left and, you know, all the rookies coming through and... It was their time to shine. Yeah, and, that, and they've they, got to go through that process because we've been through, you know, mm-hmm. losses and we've had that same like you know you're grinding it out and you you suck and whatever so that's just the journey that they got to go through yeah i'm fuck it still <laughs> yeah. still it's still like heavy that you guys just decided to just go yeah we're dropping the mic and we're walking away yeah but i mean it's like there's a saying that a guy his name's travis pastrana and he's he's been on here before he's like the god of two wheels and four wheels and like his saying is winners win mm-hmm. and from the moment i heard him say that I was like, fuck, dude, you're right. Like, there's no, there's no, like, uh, there's no restrictions. Like, once you have a winning mentality, mm-hmm. once you believe and you've achieved something and you've, you've actually done a thing that you set out to do, that is you being a winner and then winners win. If yeah. you apply that same attitude yeah. to everything that you do in life, winners win. Yeah. We've had that conversation before like cuz that it's been hard like that transition like we said to going into entrepreneurs and like that whole uh, what was the mindset we were talking about at the beginning um, where you're imposter do you know what I mean oh, like we yeah. and we've had some times where you know people say no and we think like what the hell are we doing and I think sometimes we just look at each other and we're like we're winners like we can do this like it yeah. doesn't yeah. matter how long it takes us like yeah. to get to that championship we started playing in 2013 and we won at 2018 like with this like this is going to be something that we do for the rest of our lives and we don't care how long it takes like we're going to make it work and it's going to yeah. be like bigger and better than we ever even thought yeah and the skills that we picked up in football even though it doesn't directly translate to business, you know, we picked up the hard work mentality, you know, never giving up, um, keep pushing through no matter how stressful or hard it got. You know, it wasn't easy winning a championship. And the year before I was so close to walking away in 2017 when we lost in that playoff game. Um, and it was really hard, you know, and she had a concussion. I had a concussion was... and I got blamed for the loss. And, you know, yeah. it was really like I was so depressed for a really long time. And I was like, you know what, is this even worth it? You know, I was over there and I'm not really an anxious person but I got so much anxiety just from all the stress and pressure of my position to succeed and to succeed for a team we played for the Chicago Bliss which is like the Patriots of the you know it's you know we have the best coach we have the best team um they've won the most championships and so I had so much pressure and it was so easy for me to just walk away after that 2017 season and never look back but then you know something inside of me I was like I cannot end my career like this like there's no way and I feel like that's the same in business when something happens some people like you know what like this isn't worth it why am I going to keep putting my time and energy towards this but if they just stick to it like you're just so close to just breaking through and succeeding I feel like that's a very you know, that's a quality that's that a, a lot of athletes have. And that's yeah. what we try and talk to athletes about is like, you might not have the skills to be an entrepreneur. We can teach you those. Like we have the education platform to teach you those skills, but you just need to show up like how you did as an athlete, like be tenacious, be persistent, like do everything with heart, like do it because you, you know, you believe in it and you believe in yourself and like, you know, no one else sees the goal, but you do. And you just keep pushing mm. and no one sees like the early mornings, like Jane and I, especially with the time difference, like four or five o'clock in the morning, we're doing calls. We do 
do podcasts we do like calls late into the night and during, yeah. during the day but they just see like the stuff oh like you guys are always like we were in Bangkok for a month like oh you guys are just hanging out it's yeah, like yeah. you know I'm, you see this, the snapshots of the, our life that we want you to see but we grind behind the scenes yeah and we do have fun I mean this is why I got into this business yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I want to have fun and enjoy my life but at the same time I always get the job done I always handle my business so yeah, we don't never put that on social media and that's why everyone's just like, oh, you guys are on boats and drinking and da-da-da. It's like, yeah, but did you know before we were on that boat, like we were on this call and we were doing yeah. all this kind of stuff. And Like even driving down here, Jane had the laptop on her lap. We had a call with an athlete and then she yeah. was sending like five different emails. We're linking people with like coaches. Like it's we're, whenever we can, we're just like fitting it in. Yeah, and just on. Like I even had, like so my brother, he runs his own business and then obviously this is a business. But like I, I had the conversation with him last night, like I was here till 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. and i just we we're talking and i i know exactly what it takes because like to do what i did in america it took so much time and the whole time i was there it was just a fucking grind like mm. every day was a grind like and yeah it was the same thing like on my mm-hmm. instagram it was like you're in alaska you're here you're there you're at MotoGP, you're at formula yeah. one you're mm-hmm. with all these cool people and it's like that's what you'd see but that fucking time that i had to put into it and like I was saying to my brother, excuse me, um, last night, I just, yesterday I'd had a bit of a day where I was like, fuck, I'm just not putting in the time. Yeah. Like for this to get, to just keep going and getting bigger and like to where, because in business, when you start, there's a period of uncomfortability mm-hmm. in terms of like financial, the, 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 the time that goes in versus the money that comes out is very skewed mm-hmm. at the start of any business. I don't care yep. what it is. No, hundred percent. And I'm, I'm that. in that. Yeah. And, I, and I'm in that now as well. And like, I, I like to train. I like to have my time. I like to surf. I like to do those things because for the last 10 years that I was doing the film thing and like, we, man, we were doing like hun- jobs in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's like, you cannot get to that without, that insane grind i just said to maddie last night i was like man i just like i work hard as it is but it's like i need i know i need to work harder yeah mm. and it's like you have to be super honest with yourself mm-hmm. when, whenever you're in business about like how much time is this really gonna fucking take and are you even though you might be working 50 hours a week as opposed to 40 which mm-hmm. is a lot you know it's an extra couple of hours a day on the normal person that works hard and it's like, it's still not enough. Yeah. yeah. You know, you got to put in 70, 80 hours a week. And it's like getting, it's a mindset thing as well, I think, because you feel guilty if you take like, you know, yeah. you know, if you're hungover and you take the morning off like yesterday. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but like you do, you feel really guilty and you're like, I'm not doing enough. And this is why, you know, things aren't moving as fast. And I think you can definitely get caught up in like putting yourself down like I think that yeah. as an entrepreneur because you feel like it's your baby and like you're it's on your shoulders whether it like lives or dies yeah and you know you're you just you're just constantly on your own back about it I think that yeah we're like that constantly I even dream about stuff I have to do you know because oh, I'm like now, let's just yeah. take a quick nap and during that nap I'm like dreaming about what I have to do when I wake up yeah, and, and then she like, wakes up and I'm writing notes she's like what are you doing did you sleep I'm like no I just thought about this yeah like, like this. we can't ever switch off and you know it's different like being an entrepreneur there are so many pros to being an entrepreneur but there are like there are so many cons as well like people don't realize when you have a job and you go to a nine to five or whatever you go to work and then you switch off at five o'clock when you yeah. clock off and you know people 
they have that time where they can enjoy it and then they know they're going to work the next day. Whereas when entrepreneurs, you don't have a schedule, you don't have a time where you're on or off, you know, you're just constantly on. And Quincy and I, we're trying to find this balance where we don't feel guilty, where we can take some time to just recoup and not think about work, but it's just so hard. We've done nothing but think about work for so long and yeah. I don't even know how to switch off now. But we kind of love it. Like yeah. I know that we're still saying it like it's a bad thing. Like you right now we're so... No, yeah, we, I, I love every minute of it. Yeah, and I know that it's for a reason like we have a lifestyle that we want to you know things that we want to do and they're very extravagant and it's all around the world and we like that kind of stuff so like it's this is like a process that's going to allow us to do what we want and that's what I like talking to athletes about like yeah you get a choice for the next 40 years what do you want to do with your life okay I, you know we talk to people they want to do podcasts they want to do motivational speaking they want to do do you want to do it this is what it's going to take to be able yeah. to do that because it's not easy and you can't just like you've got your story and you want to just go and share it you need to like if you want to be a motivational speaker you need to actually go and pay someone to teach you and the you skill. gotta eat shit yeah. yeah like that's the thing too is that you know you want to be a motivational speaker well you're going to go to a place no one gives a fuck about you and you're still going to have to do it yeah. yeah and then you're going to feel all of the negative feelings that come with eating shit on a stage in front of people yeah, yeah. and then you're going to get somewhere and the mic fucking sucks yeah so then you're going to have to put the mic down you're going to have to just yell at people and mm. then that's going to throw you out you mm. know like there's so many things yeah. where it's like if you don't love the thing yeah. that you're trying to do and you don't love the process and mm. you don't love that grind and appreciate it for what it is then it's like that they're the people that don't make it yeah and it's the people like yourselves that talk about the the grind with like a reverence there's like a a respect and an understanding that it's like you need to fucking grind Mm -hmm. to have anything Mm -hmm. and it's like and then you will eat shit and you'll use that to like motivate you as opposed to discourage you yeah and it's like that what what you're saying too before about um the people that like knock off five o'clock and they don't have to think about it like how i like to look at it and it's like i don't know some people get pissed off about the way that i look at it but it's like essentially if you work for somebody that person owns a business Mm -hmm. or somebody owns that business so somebody is you thinking about that 24 hours a day Mm -hmm. so for you not to think about it 24 hours a day you go and work for somebody that does because that's how all businesses operate essentially like my mom she makes really good money she works for a big company and she essentially has an agreement with that company that i will work for you x amount of hours a week but you pay for my life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like you you provide everything like there's no outside money coming in if you don't have a side hustle or whatever so you're literally taking that burden off yourself of like thinking about something 24 hours a day Mm -hmm. in exchange for somebody paying for your life Mm -hmm. and when you're an entrepreneur when you work for yourself there's no one that's paying for your life like you are solely responsible for paying for your life and that is why you think about it 24 7 so it's like that's the thing it's like in my head it's like that's the decision you make it's not like that that should be how you think about it as opposed to like well i kind of want to do trips and i want to just like do my own thing it's like no you want to be solely responsible for paying for your life that's what you're agreeing to when you're becoming an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. you're not agreeing to having the flexibility to taking trips you're not agreeing to making x amount of that's not what you're signing up for Mm. you're signing up for the responsibility and when you work for somebody else, you're signing up that you do whatever they say and they pay for your life. Yeah, yeah. And it's a very simple transaction. And like, I think when you reduce it down to that, yeah. the question isn't, do you want to be an entrepreneur? It's like, do you want to be responsible for paying for all of your life? 
yeah mm-hmm. on no, nobody else and then a lot of people it's like when you frame it like that like mm, fuck it's actually not that bad working for somebody mm, and this really it's got to be right for some and it's not right for yep. others do you know what i mean like this road doesn't work for everyone so i think you've got to work out i think people work it out pretty quickly in the beginning oh for sure and how many yeah. people do you know like start a side hustle and then they just never end up quitting their job mm, yeah yeah so many (laughs) yeah but that's and it's not a bad thing Mm -hmm. like and i there's times like even this week i've been like you know what fuck i should just go work somebody and just like (laughs) you know because and everybody thinks that we've had stages moments all the time all the time and even our parents sometimes when things aren't working out they're like why don't you guys just go go work for someone else i'm like no i'm not gonna do it (laughs) no and then other times my mum will call me and just the other day and she's like quincy like there's so many different ways like she's like i was just thinking like this just you just need more offers like this could really like you can scale this so massive yeah. and i was like yes like, yeah. thank you mom like you can see what i see because my mom is a really great entrepreneur but she i don't know if it's because i've always been a wishy-washy daughter <laughs> she's just didn't really trust <laughs> that i was gonna like go into this phase and you know i've tried a few different things online and obviously living overseas and she was helping me keep my head above water so her faith was yeah. quite low and now yeah. is the first time that she's really like saying to me like i can see you succeeding in this and it's such a good feeling because yeah. for a while she was like are you gonna are you ready no, to 100 like my dad is exactly the same he's a really successful business owner and he owns his own business and he's been taking care of all of us for so long and i was really quite surprised when he said to me like you need to go and get a nine to five and you know go work for someone else and i was like i don't want to go work for someone else you don't work for someone else like why yeah. should i and but yeah he's just worried about you know because he helped fund my career in the states and after i won the championship i bought two rings you know i bought one for my dad as well because i felt like he had so much yeah. to do with my success over there if it wasn't for him i wouldn't have been over there um but yeah i was just like i couldn't do it i just didn't want to bite the bullet and go into that employee mindset and work for someone else and have to be somewhere at a certain time you know like i'm so independent and headstrong that i just don't want to get up at eight o'clock because i have to go work for someone i'll get up at 801 because i can you know yeah, like yeah. you know what i mean like i just don't want that lifestyle and yeah, Quincy and I, we've been working on this for a while now and, and you know, it, definitely, it yeah. hasn't broken through for like before it hasn't broken through and our parents were like, you know, like you need to think about this and now they're finally coming around like, wow, this is actually okay, really this. something special. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And so, oh, sorry to cut you off. You no, go. no, you go. Because sure? <laughs> I cut people off sometimes. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> um, so like what's the next steps then for you guys, do you think, for it to get to where you want it to be? Like, and like what athletes are you working with right now? I think the next step would be for us to get it into, so we have spoken with the education people in the NRL and um, the people that help athletes transition out and they offer things like cert for in hospitality, hospitality apprenticeships and trades. and trades and things oh, like that. So they're not, they're thinking as like putting people back out into, into like a, a civilian workforce yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And so we're talking to them about online. Like, fuck that, let's keep these motherfuckers extra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we're exactly. talking to them about the online space and it's very new, you know, and people, it's not new actually. No, Internet's it's not. been around Anyone for that says that, I'm just like, where the fuck you been? Australia yeah. is just sometimes very backwards and, yeah. you know, so they're, they're very old school, um, you know, what what's safe and, you know, it's things that they can guarantee for them. But I feel like we're always, and what I noticed from living in America, we're like six to seven years behind America yeah. in everything. And like, that's my number that I think is quite accurate. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. It. Yeah, no, 100%. So things like that, we have a call with the Indigenous education people mm-hmm. as well for, for athletes in Australia this week. So like, I think if we can get in with one of these systems where we're just an option, like we don't need to be the only option, but that we can actually get in front of mass athletes and say, this is who we are. 
these are the options that we have in the online space if you want to talk to us you're more than welcome to come and have a look just getting in front of more people most of our athletes are in america because we obviously played yeah. over there we so just have so many connections over there and, and we have a lot of options for athletes that are current athletes as well as retiring so I think getting in front of those um, like in the clubs and actually being able to just go and talk to people, that would be something that we're really trying to push. Uh, We want people to just know that we're here and like have a look at what we've got. Yeah. And we just want to start building this network of athletes. You know, you can say it's kind of like an alumni or a fraternity or however you want to call it, but just building this network. So athletes in America can, you know, meet with athletes in Australia or in the UK or whatever, and just have this big network of athletes who are supporting each other thriving it's, yeah thriving in the business world and you know it's just something different and they're all that we're all athletes former athletes so you know so we all have that we understand the journey and what it takes to be an athlete so we understand what it takes to be an entrepreneur and yeah i just think just building and networking is like huge like for us like we meet so many cool people and the more we network the more opportunities come to us so we want so say for example we have xyz options for our athletes if you come into our system we put everyone through an education on digital marketing and it's something that we've leveraged a company in the US who are doing it the best that we've ever seen and it's really simple so it's easy for athletes to follow and from there they can decide which track they want to take but outside of that if you're a part of you're doing you know you're a part of our community then you also have access to athletes that you can be like oh you know i'm in houston you're in houston oh you're doing real estate oh like let's talk let's meet like it's a great way for people to network and build stuff outside of what we're doing because obviously what we have on offer is stuff that we think has so much value for them but we want them to just thrive as people anyway like that gives us joy like we don't we don't want to keep our claws on people it's like oh you've got to just do stuff with us like now you have a pool of athletes who you can like tap into they can be your friends they can be your business partners outside of what we're doing and that is huge like the growth for that and helping people actually succeed and get results like that's important yeah because in business it's not what you know it's who you know yeah for sure so So that network is like gold yeah it's like how can you tap into that like it's this big network of people who have that same mentality as you they want to like and they all already have a platform and influence and they have their own niche they have their own things that they're doing and just being able to all collaborate and And they get you they get your journey they get how you felt they know the the things that you lay in bed at night fearing like do you know what i mean like you're very connected to them so you resonate with them so you don't feel like you're ever alone like yeah and that and like you know it's and it's it would be easy to say like oh well just that you know they've had it great and blah 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 but i mean it definitely definitely is a a problem for you know people that leave a sport you know for all the reasons that we've spoken about Mm -hmm. so it's it's definitely cool and it's it is unique too that you guys aren't trying to just go down like the straight manager role of like trying to sign them to teams and get deals and you know what i mean no, because we believe in that philosophy, you know, you can give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day, but you can yeah. teach him how to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime. So it's kind of like that same concept. Like we're not just trying to get them deals. We're trying to teach them how they can do these things for themselves. And then they can go on and build whatever empire that they want to build. Yeah. Well, they can go on and help other athletes People do, do the, the same. Because that's another thing. Like we have athletes coming in from so many different codes and we can't handle it all. Like it's 
going really quickly, like faster than we anticipated. Yeah, because so we launched on the 1st of July and it's already been so Oh, crazy. really? It's yeah, that, that it's soon, yeah. that yeah. soon, yeah. Like there was a lot of build up behind the scenes leading up to that, but that's when yeah. we officially, officially launched. Officially So that's launched, when we yeah. started and... We need like athletes that also want to do the same thing that we do, like that, that want to help yeah, athletes yeah, yeah. like yeah. and be like a leader in AFL or a leader in NRL where they can actually just go in because they've got lots of contacts in those fields. We give them the skills, the mentorship and all of the like self-development stuff that we did and, you know, we can help them along that way and then they can go in and be that person, same in, in the yeah, NRL. Yeah, then they have access to the exclusive offers and partnerships that we made, you know, that Quincy and I made. Yeah. We went out and sourced all these different companies and they have access to that and you know we want them to have access to that so mm. that they can go on and ex- succeed and they can also bring to the table stuff like they might be like hey guys i met with this company yeah They're, you know that's that's cool like that's what we want like because we we want our athletes to have obviously we want stuff that aligns with us and aligns with our brand and athletes but we want to have multiple offers so that people can feel like there's something for them yeah and when we first sat down when we were coming out with athletes for athletes and all of that the vision that we wrote down was we want to have the largest team environment of athletes turned entrepreneurs in the world. Like that's just what, that's what we wrote down when we first started. Yeah, it was and like our first and like now the original mission statement. The original, like yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, and I feel like that's... It's starting to get really big and people are starting to know about us and yeah, it's getting, it's really good. It's hit, yeah. And so what what's next for you guys personally? Like are you guys going to try and move back to the States or... Well, yeah, so we um, we obviously want to work with the, the the athletes that we have here in Australia and build that you know build that community environment up. But then we also because we have so many in the states, we want to go over there and see all of them and do a tour, meet all of them, and do some build, media yeah. for our company as well as them as individuals. And just like tr- we want to just tour around, yeah, and then even go city. to the UK and you know just go on to the next thing. So it's for right now, we don't really have a base or where we're going to be. We just want to go around and make sure all of our athletes are good, and we're kind of just going with the flow because it's like like we're learning on the run like every day is like something new and like we always sit down and like go through our process like what works what doesn't like frequently like why is it taking us so long to convert this why you know we're we're constantly just like reevaluating, changing our systems as we go yeah and companies and products are coming to us and be like hey we want you to present this to our athletes and they would pitch us on you know a new gaming app or uh you know like a gold company or you know whatever it is they're pitching us so that we can present them to our athletes and it's It's so crazy because we were seeking them out in the beginning and now now they're coming to us and it's like oh wow this is really cool (laughs) (laughs) oh how the tables have turned (laughs) no but it is it's good so we're just going to kind of go with the flow we love to travel so we want to do like maybe a couple of months in the u.s and go and make sure that everything is like rolling there and then the uk UK, yeah and And then who knows and so where did the like where were you guys learning this stuff from like in terms of the self-development stuff and the digital market like were you guys kind of like doing the courses and stuff yeah. like that that you that you always sort of see advertised and things like that yeah so we we've partnered with a company like we said it's a u.s-based company that's an institute it's like, an, a, like yeah, an actual cool. institute so you get certified as a digital marketer and they have a huge em- emphasis on self-development because you can't do all of the physical work and not the mindset work and or you the can't do work, yeah. yeah you yeah. can't do all the mindset stuff and none of the physical it's like a balance and like the sooner that you understand that because in the beginning jane and i were like we don't need the mindset stuff. Like yeah, we we're were, good. We're like, cool. Like, like we're, we don't. We're, we're great people. <laughs> <laughs> like we just literally were like we're like pretty well balanced people. So we're like we'll just run all the ads and we'll just do all the stuff. But and that's like being talented, but not, not knowing trained. what what it is you're doing. Yeah, like you know what I mean. So because yeah. that's what I because the whole self development thing. Like I know some people that that's what they do. 
they just like they and I've talked about it here bef- on here before is like they just spend a lot of they're, they're motivated to get motivated mm, yeah. and then they live in this cycle of like self-improvement mm. but there's no physical action that takes place and if you talk to them they're a fucking encyclopedia mm. on being better and you know getting rid of anxiety and clean your room and you know the make your bed like all the fucking buzzword gary v shit that you kind of will hear but yeah. they just like don't do the physical stuff and then i think that there are, this is probably the category that you guys are in maybe is the category of well yeah we're pretty well balanced people and we like we actually do shit but it's like you and i've felt like this at times too where it's like i i'm like well yeah i do that right but why and i don't really even understand what it is Mm -hmm. that i'm doing right but for whatever reason that thing's working out but there isn't like a deeper understanding of why you're doing a thing what why is this a habit and to somebody else it's something that they struggle with and why do you struggle with this but this is easy to everybody else Mm -hmm. so i think that that's more the lens that i've looked at lately as opposed because i'd kind of brushed it off before Mm -hmm. as like self-development is just for fucking wankers essentially yeah. no 100% <laughs> my mom is the same she's like Quincy all these self-help books or whatever and I 100% agree that people almost get addicted to it's self-development gluttony, yeah. yeah it's like oh I'm so self-development yeah, yeah. And like yeah. yeah I'm conscious and like all the Work shit fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah which is cool but you actually have to do it like yeah. you can't read about it and think that so makes sense there's to me so many people that are like have made a fucking buttload of money off being woke and then just spreading that shit like Mm. and that's like you see all of those people that uh the whole drop shipping thing is like such a great example of people that like there's dudes on youtube that are just like well what's his name that ty fucking ty what's his name he was on like every youtube ad ever he's like hey this is my mansion in la i read 300 books a day like that guy (laughs) like but he's literally like made a a living he Mm -hmm. figured out I mean, he's a smart dude. He's like, oh, people are just going to, like, they're addicted to being motivated or they're addicted to self-help. Yeah. So then there was, like, this whole wave of people that came along to, like, cash in on all of these people that would pay, like, $300 for a course or $80 a month for this ebook strategy. Like, Mm. and then it's it's almost created, like, a culture around that. Yeah. So it's, like, interesting to then hear you guys talk about it and then say like yeah we did all that stuff but then we actually here's our product because of it yeah Yeah. you don't hear that shit a lot yeah well it's because we went with the the action first we didn't do any of the inner work you know Uh, and we realized that you know we were there was like a roadblock and i was like why can't we like get past this yeah like we're doing we're doing all the stuff like we're doing the stuff like but are we really doing all this stuff and we weren't we weren't working on ourselves and that was one thing that we did and obviously the the institute that we partnered with they have some self-development and mindset work but then we source books and meditations and you know all this other stuff that we do ourselves and now we have a morning routine that we do that makes us sets us up for the day and just like a bit more balance like it doesn't need to be like oh you're spending hours doing all this like you don't have to go so deep into it it's just like you know why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling like this is really pissing me off or I can't seem to get past this what is it okay work it out okay let's move through it yeah and just understanding that you've got to be self-responsible you know the things the reason you're out of reality is the way it is is because of how you are on the yeah. inside and just owning that and understanding that the situation you're in are because of all the choices you made to get there mm. um and yeah i feel like that's just mm. once you're on a journey and you it feels right like people talk about being in alignment and, <laughs> and you know, we, we never that. really understood that <laughs> you know what like so many people like used to be like you know when it's in alignment everything flows and i was like oh, alignment and like yeah. yeah like you just shut the 
fuck up for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. And then one day I said to Jane, I was like, we're so in alignment uh, right now. Well, <laughs> you know, we're just on the right journey. It just yeah. feels like everything flows for us now because we love it. Like yeah. we're, we're just on the right path. We're on the right path. Yeah. And now that we're on this path, I feel like opportunities, are, doors are opening, yeah. you know, left, right and center. And like all these things are happening. And we're like, oh, but wow. But you did the work. We yeah. did the yeah. work. Exactly. We did the work. We ground behind the scenes. And then now I think it's just, and I mean, it's, there's always more yeah. to do. There's never, it's not one of those things where like, well, okay, we're well, good. Yeah, yeah, we're good. I'm like, woke. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, you just got to keep rolling with it. And and you know what's funny too, like, because I, I've started like looking. I've always read books. I've always read a bunch of different stuff. But I try and avoid like the art of not giving a fucks and you know like those kind of books. Um, but so in a sense, I was always into it. But I really wasn't into like the new wave of it, which is. Mm-hmm the youtube sort of thing and the instagram ads and like that sort of turned me off it a little bit but you know you'd see like you said like oh we got a morning routine it's like that can sound super wanky but i have a fucking morning routine and whether i call it my morning routine or not i get up i have a coffee i sit on the couch for half an hour i watch fucking youtube and then i'll do some i'll do some like stretches and shit pack my stuff for work and then i leave for work yeah so it's like I'm not uh, living with like a purpose or like an intent of like, this is my morning routine. It's like, that's the habits that are formed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, there'd be some shit in that morning routine that I like, if I'm being honest, I don't like. I wish I got up, made a coffee and went straight to surf it every single morning. I live 300 meters from the beach <laughs> and I moved here to surf and I don't really surf that much. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that to me is, it's like, yeah, you have a morning routine. You just don't call it a morning routine because you're not that stoked on it. Yeah. It's like the people that are like, this is my morning routine. It's like they've thought about it, they've put effort into it, and then they've actioned it. Mm. So it's like I'm sort of starting to come around to some of the more cliche sort of stuff that is floating around. And now I'm sort of trying to like, because it's like, yeah, this is here. And I've managed to pull this off and managed to get whatever amount of people that listen to it and people like this but it's like what is there now that i can do that it's just it's like nothing else to do with like the podcast in terms of like i need to make more videos i need to do it's like no just be a better person yeah like what Mm. are you doing to be a better person and then it's like you're right shit starts to follow along and i look at my brother and it's like he does he he's more of a clear person on the stuff that mm-hmm. he does and it's like it's obvious and then you see other people around in our circles and even sam like that you met here two years ago he was fucking working at three o'clock in the morning cleaning a nightclub yeah and it's like he just bought a warehouse the other day for fucking damn near half a million dollars yeah and it's like he was still had the glove company the glove company's been going almost 10 years yeah and it's like he just he worked on himself he did mm-hmm. st- like the bit he's done all the same shit in the business he's made the same the gloves have always been good quality the artwork's always been fantastic he's always used the same artist he's all like nothing's different really about his business yeah but there's a lot that's different about him yeah and oh, then I love that. you know so i it, it it is cool like and to hear you guys talk like that it strikes a chord even in myself because yeah. like uh, you know you guys walk in the room and i'm like fucking this needs to be done and, and it's like people walk in and they think it's it's great but you know in yourself yeah what's mm-hmm. left to improve on a eh? yeah and if you make excuses for it or if you mm-hmm. don't allocate the time it's like all this shit that i want to do in this room that's just my time yeah mm-hmm. and if you're not organized so it's like all right is your morning routine holding you back are you mm-hmm. taking too long to get out of the house every day you know yeah so i think it's really cool the way that 
you know you guys have you know noticed those things within yourself and then worked on them together yeah super cool <laughs> yeah thanks we appreciate it <laughs> yeah it was awkward like how you were saying it, it was awkward for us in the beginning and that's why we didn't do it because we didn't like the cliche idea of it either we're not we weren't very spiritual or like you know we just like we just wanted to play footy and travel and have fun like that's it yeah. like we were simple like that and yeah. make money so we just wanted like just give us like the the nitty-gritty like what we need to do and it's only when you start like actually looking at like i don't know and then you're like damn i'm really messed up <laughs> no but and, and it, yeah. behind it like there's loads of really cool books like the how to win friends and influence people that's like may i'm actually about to start rereading that book oh it's so good like those so old school good. That was fucking written in the (laughs) 1930s. Yeah, Yeah, it's crazy. Still one of the most. Yeah. Have you just read it before? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I started reading it. I haven't finished it, but I'm going to finish it. Finish that book. (laughs) It's fucking awesome, eh? Yeah, it is. It's so good. There's so many cool books like that. Like, you don't need to go out and turn into some spiritual guru, but there's just like little things, and you think. I know all of that. It's like, common remember, sense. Yeah, it's yeah. common sense and just like being courteous and like understanding it's, people and listening and like yeah. all those little things and then you just become slowly a, a more well-rounded a version human. of yeah. yourself, yeah. Well, I, and it's self-awareness too. There's, there's things that you do well that you don't know why you do them well and there's yeah. things that you do completely shit <laughs> and you don't know why. And mm. I think that understanding those things, like that's really what you should aim for. Yeah. Because... I, and I think about that a lot in terms of like my idea on judgment has changed a lot as I've gotten a bit older to where like I just try not to judge anyone mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. for because whatever situation that they were given, whatever cards they were dealt, wherever they grew up, their dad was a dick, their mum was a bitch, whatever. Yeah. Like so many external influences. It's like if you lived every single day in that person's shoes, who are you to think that you would be a better person exactly. than them? Exactly, yeah. You know? So it's like, but that like that comes from a certain way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like, that. I don't think that I was a bad person before mm-hmm. I had that epiphany or that knowledge. Yeah. I just didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. you weren't aware that and that's, yeah. Yeah, and it's like when you're humble enough to, to accept that you don't know anything, yeah. let alone know everything, then it's like you really can like actually sort of change and it doesn't mean that you're a bad person before doesn't mean that you were whatever before it just mean you just didn't know what you didn't know yeah, yeah exactly i love that yeah no i love that too and you know what quincy and i talk about it all the time like the reason we work so well together is quincy has strengths that i don't and yeah. you know vice versa and i feel like we play to that quite well like we're very honest about ourselves and that took us time to accept and realize what we did well at and what we didn't but now that we understand that and you know quincy picks up the slack where i you know i'm not doing well and stuff like that and i feel like where it's a really good team and yeah and we're aware of it it's not like we're hiding like oh I, I don't want to say that I can't do this like I one I don't I'm not well good at it and yeah. two like I don't like doing I don't it want to. Yeah, yeah just you know yeah. what I mean and just being open and honest about it or like her saying to me like Quincy I'm really bad at proofreading or you know yeah. little things and just being like able to communicate those things and like now sometimes I write emails and then I'm like check it (laughs) she'll just read over it one last time especially if it's an important one because maybe i'm better at like getting out how we want it to say and And then she's good at making it look professional yeah yeah it's it's humility like that's a but being humble isn't a thing that i ever like especially living in america i just put no value in being humble Mm. like i I was like fuck who cares yeah like i'll just be you know i'll just be myself but now, like, I I think the martial arts stuff definitely helped with that because, like, you get fucked up every day. Like, it does, and yeah. even if you're, like, you're training with someone, like, you probably felt it with your boxing training. Like, you can mm-hmm. beat the shit out of someone and then 
five seconds later when the bell goes you go against a different person that can beat the shit out of you mm. so it's like you you kind of get forced to be humble because it's like you can't have an ego around anybody because there's yeah. always a bigger fish but now like that whole like i, I think being humble is like one of the most important things that you can have because it gives you the ability to say i suck at proofreading and then mm. that's not like if you suck at proofreading and then you send an email to nike and it's got it's full of spelling mistakes and your ego stopped you from letting somebody else proofread it like that holds you back yeah. so that's i think that's like a great example of what you're saying in business how like when you are open to like improving yourself mm-hmm. what can sort of follow on from that yeah 100 percent and yeah. having that like social intelligence to be like it's okay to not be a hundred percent like yeah. no one's perfect and that's yeah. humility again though it's, you yeah. know? it's like it's like okay well this is how it is <laughs> well we just did three hours oh, oh wow that went so quick <laughs> everyone says that <laughs> it's crazy yeah it's a little little yeah. time warp this room yeah. and especially like no phones yeah mm. no distractions no notifications yeah no nothing it's crazy little time walk. <laughs> it was yeah, really it was cool really i loved good. that yeah you guys have fun yeah, yeah it was amazing thank you so much no, yeah did you, so how did, what did you think of it did you like it doesn't matter think? what i think of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, like it, i didn't even want to have the second coffee which i would usually do because i was like a little bit anxious i was like this room is like these professional yeah. <laughs> are we professional enough uh, uh imposter syndrome I'm yeah actually, <laughs> i'm actually a fucking loser and, uh, I've just that's got a what good i mean when you brought that up in the beginning i was like holy shit he's reading my mind yeah <laughs> it's crazy that's like a crazy little uh yeah and it's like it's just it's a awkward like because you definitely well there's people there's like so many people that they, they only ever see you through like this lens of like literally that lens like that's yeah. the only lens that they see you through or like the social media stuff or whatever and it's like i have complete like yes sir, fucking shit day you know mm-hmm. and it's like you're in a bad mood you stay here till 10 because you're like angry at yourself and it's like that's not a thing that people see through that lens yeah you know but it's like it's not exactly how it is like i just try to be as normal as possible and yeah it's and like this there's no criteria that for guess i'm never like you have to be this and you've got to say this and say that like i just want this to be like as normal mm. as possible yeah yeah That's and i good. liked it it just felt like a chat it was yeah. good no it was good well sweet we'll do it again <laughs> yeah. do it again in like a year or something oh, yeah like, sounds where good. are they now and yeah. we have like athletes as well here like i don't know if you do athletes or yeah. more, like as we well. actually do a lot of of athletes so like you it's definitely different like especially the you know talking about like the relationships and stuff like that like that's not what we normally talk about but then of the day like with this podcast especially like I'll get so many messages per episode mm-hmm. and everything's different. Mm. Everyone takes something different out yeah. of a conversation and that's why I try very hard not to curate anything mm-hmm. or let it go in certain things or it's like we probably should have talked about more football but it's like, oh, I just didn't get there that time. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I think it so always good. flows out supposed to. Yeah, whatever. So And, I, and it, I just want, you know, one of my goals with this is just to have something that people can just take what they need out of it yeah you know? yeah because so. you don't know what someone's going through at nah. that time you know yeah no. we always just assume whatever resonates with them at that time is what they're going through it's what they need to hear so 